Hey, welcome to the 317th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Lookin. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And recently I was talking about the John Romita senior Stan Lee era of Amazing Spider-Man, like up through issue 50, just shifted gears going back to X-Men, the hidden years of John Byrne series that takes place in between, you know, the X-Men series and giant size X-Men. And sometimes I talk about random off my mind comic book topics or other topics and uh, sometimes movies, also older movies. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash G-Man from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That's ko-fi.com slash G-Man from heck. All right. What is going on this week? <laughs> the movie feature is expendables expend expend for expendables four and um mm-hmm. yeah so i i will we'll save that till i mean they're, they're you know what you're getting out of these movies it's it's a fun dare i say silly action movie i mean these these movies are just all of the, the great action heroes of the last 20 30 40 years whatever and they're put inside a you know crazy situation and trying to fight their way out and survive and uh, yeah, so you'll you'll hear about that later. Um, Ahsoka continue more more craziness everything. There's no new new to this the show episode. I I I know it sounds weird because when when I'm saying there's no new shows this week, it sounds like I'm saying that there's no new episodes. I'm talking about shows. So you know we're talking. You know, Ahsoka, Adventure Times, two more episodes of Adventure Times. I love this show so much. It is, it's like more than I thought I would even want. For I mean, I didn't even realize I wanted this the show this way. Um, then we got the the season finale of Harley Quinn, and um, we're we're getting a little bare here, bare bones here now. With so so, what I mean by there's nothing new to add. You know, uh, Twisted Metal ended. Um, our other shows have ended. I've been talking about. So we have the Continental that started Friday. That's I think also that's only four episodes. There's three or four episodes. So we're gonna save that for next week because being the weekend and everything like that. I don't know what happened with this week. You know, you would think it's like okay, so there's there's a, at least one show less. You know, the two episodes of Fiona Cake on Thursday that that kind of pushes me. You know, because I, I try to crunch everything to try to record as much as I can by the weekend. I didn't even like read everything as much as I read even less than I wanted to. So I may have to, I, I may have to try to do some last minute recording, like down to the wire and just like, you know, splice it in to do something because it is just way too, 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 too few. I mean, I missed too many comics, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. So, um, and then, uh, what we have coming up soon, I guess if I just jump into the news is Doom Patrol will be coming back, but that's October 12th. So we have six episodes left. That, the, the last episode, I think it was like in January 
when when the the first half of this last season aired and it was just so weird how it stopped and i don't know what why i don't know why they because they did the same thing with titans i believe you know they, they put this big pause and and that's fine if you're going to do like you know season x part one season x part two but it just seems weird to put such a big gap i mean i'm not complaining you know as long as we're getting episodes what i am complaining gonna complain about is one so we got six episodes and then that's it no more doom patrol it's over the final six episodes so what are they going to do on october 12th they are going to drop two episodes at once which i mean maybe i just say okay i'm only gonna do one a week that way we get that one extra week because i'm looking and and you know you maybe you can tell me because i'm on this end of the podcast you know i'm not on the listening I, I listen to someone. I like scrub through, you know, edit the the podcast, and that's that's enough for me. But I, I just feel like having two episodes of a show is just too much. With how in in, in depth I go with 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 the coverage, with the recaps, and I've tried. I, I I want to do less, and I I don't really know. I I'm not really sure what what listeners want. <laughs> Which is 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 a unfortunate thing. I don't know because I mean, if if you're watching, you know, Ahsoka, do you need to hear the recap? You've already watched it. I mean, there could be the possibility, or maybe you know, you got an email or you got a text, and then you missed something and you didn't pause it or whatever. Or you know, which would be awesome if I saw something. Maybe you didn't say, uh, you know, whatever. There there could be little things like that. I'm sure you've seen things. You know, you catch things that I don't. You know, I'm not saying I'm an expert on everything. Uh, but I just sometimes I wonder, it's like, do you need that? My kind of thinking is, let's say you are, you're interested in Harley Quinn, but you know, you don't, you don't really, you don't have the time or the, you're not going to watch it right away, but you're curious as, as to what happens. And I know there are some people that they want the spoilers. Cause like when I, when I was doing the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. spoilers on, on I was doing write-ups, I had someone that would like, they would want to they would read the spoilers, the recap before watching it. It's like they, I guess, and that, that's the thing. Some people want spoilers. Some people want to know. And at first it kind of blows my mind. It's like, who wants spoilers? And I know this is a tangent, but there's, there's really like no news this week. So my thinking is, you know, it blows me away when people want spoilers because I want to be able to watch it and enjoy it and be shocked and surprised when, when something happens. <laughs> There's like one thing that happened in Adventure Time uh, this week. It was not really a huge thing, but something happened. I was like, oh, I mean, I was just like, oh, oh, I wasn't expecting that. So you have that. But then I guess there's also the fact that maybe I don't know if it's like a stress thing or whatever, but some people were it's like, okay, you're on edge. And, you know, maybe, maybe, I don't know if it is a stress. I, I, I had something else in my head before and it's, it's like totally gone, but maybe it's just like knowing what's going to happen. Then it's like, okay, I can relax. I don't have to worry. I don't know. At some point I keep saying, it's like, I gotta, I gotta condense these recaps. Cause I don't know if it's what people want. And I didn't always do this. I'm pretty sure I didn't always do this and I'm not going to go back and listen um, yeah, so Doom Patrol is coming back. Uh, so we have Doom Patrol. And then uh, Gen V, is, isn't that starting up at some point? I don't know why I'm so resistant to that. Like, I've, I haven't watched any trailers for that. I don't want to. And uh, Doom Patrol, I think there was like a teaser trailer for these final episodes. I don't want to watch that. So I, if, if you're like, hey, Tony, what are, what's in these six episodes? I don't want to know because I want to be able to watch it, which you know, whatever. It's, it's, I guess it's kind of weird 
some people want it, some people don't. But I just I know it's coming on October twelfth. That's all I need to know. I just want to watch it and enjoy it. All right. Um, other news. Uh, like I said, not a whole, really not a whole lot of news. I saw like an Instagram, like Marvel. You know, there's a Lego like Avengers Code Red. I didn't. I don't. I didn't really pay attention that closely because you know I was just scrolling through. I'm like, what is this? And then you see all this. I was, at first, I was like, is this supposed to be like, you know, Thanos, like Infinity War? You know, the people. I don't feel too good, Mister Stark. And then you see the, like the little. You know, you see it's Lego. So it's like, oh, is this a game coming? You know, Marvel Lego, which are, are uh, hilarious. I love those games. I wish I had time to play all of them. But I guess if you look closely, which I didn't, but I, you know, I just saw another an ad for it, which I'm assuming is the same one. It's a Disney Plus special that that's coming, so that that'll be fun, and uh, it's going to be on uh, October 27th. So it's just like a, a like a one one off episode. So that'll be fun, fun, I think. Speaking of Avengers and Marvel and all that, I guess Chris Evans. I think it was a GQ interview he was asked like hey do you think you'd ever return to marvel and he's and he's like i'll never say never you know he he's he's like yeah yeah maybe i would do it sometime you know he's he's down for it and he's just he's not too gung-ho you know he he says he wants to act less you know he doesn't want to do so much acting he has like other interests and you know he wants to try other things and you know one of the things he said is he's content he's satisfied with what he's done with what he's accomplished and he's like you know i haven't won an oscar or anything like that but you know i i feel good about what i've done and you know he's still going to do some acting from time to time but he wants to try other things i know he wanted to do like like directing and stuff like that i don't know if that's still the case but uh i, lo- I love them as captain america and you know it, it'd be be great to but that th- would be weird and how are you going to do it and i don't know uh, Taika Waititi, it's just so weird. So Taika Waititi was supposed to do a Star Wars movie, and and there's you hearing different things, and you know he, he kept saying that yeah, it's going to be like new characters because you know he doesn't want to do a story like a Chewbacca's grandmother or whatever or aunt, and I, I don't remember what he what he said, but it's it's not like everyone has to be connected to the Skywalkers. You know, it doesn't there hasn't been connected. It's a huge galaxy. So yeah, there's going to be other random people, and it's not like everyone's tied to this or that. Which for me, you know, on the one hand, it's like, well, I, I, why, you know, you're going to have to convince me. You know, why am I going to be interested in, in, in you know whoever this new you know Joe Blow schmo whatever person is? But obviously, you know, we have like the Mandalorian, which loose connections, loose ties to like Boba Fett, but not really. You know, that same you know whatever kind of idea but that, you know we love that and you know and i say we because by i think majority of people love the mandalorian and i was going to say ahsoka but ahsoka is, is connected to you know clone wars and anakin and all that so you know it, it could be done you know i i think they could sell us because uh andor andor was good Andor's, I feel like it's, it's a different thing and i know a lot of people loved it i i i really liked it i, I can't say i loved it but it's a, it's a different thing. So it's, it'd be cool to see, you know, I, I can't, I, I don't even know what, what I would expect from a Taika Waititi Star Wars. And, you know, I, I just, I'm so fascinated by the idea, but it sounds like maybe it's not going to happen. And I think we're seeing a lot of things, a lot of deals are just like kind of dissolving, like crumbling, you know, with, with the writer strike and actor strike. 
a lot of you know the, the timetables are are diminishing you know or, or people you you can't stay like you know keep your fingers crossed that things are going to work out because you know people have to move on although if you know everything's at a standstill there's really nothing to move on to unless somehow you can do some i don't know so it's 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 too bad because it would have been cool that, to see something but maybe who knows maybe at some point we'll we'll see something and maybe you know it, it'll come back maybe like hey let, let's let's pick up where we left off uh apparently christopher nolan was like almost possibly like he was in talks of, of maybe possibly directing man of steel before Zack snyder came on board i guess he talked to i think it was tony scott he talked to someone and uh that could have been interesting. I, you know, I don't, I don't really know what the, the I don't know what what a Christopher Nolan Superman movie would be. You know, we've seen the the Dark Knight movies, and you know, those are, those are great. I haven't watched those in a while, and it'd be kind of weird to go back. Uh, it'd be interesting to go back and watch those. You know, maybe I should do that some point if, if I had time. I would do that. You know, they could do like secret podcast episodes, like revisiting these movies, and you know, like my thoughts on that. Maybe I'll do that at some point. <laughs> I say I want to do that. Uh, but you know how I feel about Man of Steel. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to like about Man of Steel, but there's a lot that I don't like about Man of Steel. There's a lot that I feel, in my opinion, that just doesn't capture who Superman is supposed to be. You know, Henry Cavill was great, but I just feel that just a lot of elements just didn't feel like Superman. And don't get me started like, oh, hey, Lois Lane, guess what? I'm, I'm Superman. I'm Clark Kent. You know, the way how she like finds out so, so quickly or whatever. And uh, so, I don't know. Let's <laughs> just not, not go in there. But Zack Snyder got it and, and all the Snyder Army fans were, were happy. And uh, it looks like the last bit of news, see, like I said, there's really nothing. I feel like I thought there was something else, but yeah, just little bits here or there. Nothing I, I really feel like talking about, I guess. Uh, but there's going to be a, an Ultimate Spider-Man comic. And I was getting really confused because uh, what I'm hearing is like from New York Comic Con. And I'm not, I, I would love to go to New York Comic Con, but I, it's not in my, my cards. And I was, I was like, wait, New York Comic, did I, New York Comic Con was ready? Am I so out of touch because I'm not going that I missed it? But then I was like, wait, we're still in September. It's like, Comic Con's New York Comic Con's never been in September. It's always like the first week of October. It's like how could I have totally missed everything? I was like, where's like all the news and you know all the, the press releases and everything? But I guess as like a teaser, full details are going to be announced at Comic Con. So we're getting this Ultimate Spider-Man comic. It's going to be written. So, so my first thing is like, why? Why are we getting an Ultimate Spider-Man comic? You know, Ultimate Spider-Man was such a great series, and you know, so it was just such a fun journey. Just a dare I say, epic journey. I mean, I don't know. It was just such a such a great series, and then you know, with the death of Peter, and then the birth, well, not the birth, but the birth of the Miles Morales Spider-Man. You know, bringing him on the scene and all that, and then it's like, okay, we're destroying the Ultimate Universe, and then we're bringing Miles to the Six One Six Universe. And, and it's, it's just, it's been so like set. And so like, that's just how it's been. Even you try not to think about like, this kind of doesn't make sense. And then it's like, wait, let's go back to the ultimate universe. But the thing is, if I'm understanding ultimate invasion correctly, that this, it's, it's not the same universe. 
So that's the thing. I mean, I have such huge respect for Jonathan Hickman. I mean, I think he's a genius writer. I'm not loving Ultimate Invasion. I'm just, and I think part of it is because of Ultimate Reed Richards. I'm just not a fan of The Maker. And uh, it's just, I mean, I, at, at, at a surface, okay, you have Reed Richards, one of the smartest dudes in the Marvel Universe, but he's evil. There's, there's, you know, there's something cool about that. As soon as I said that, I started thinking about the, the, the Batman who laughs, and I just was like totally cringing inside because I cannot stand that character. And, but I mean, there's, there's something fascinating about that. You know, there, there's a lot that you can explore about taking such a established character and totally flipping him around and, you know, just doing the complete opposite. But I just, I don't know. I, I guess there's something about, you know, all these books when you have these villains and that's something with expendables. When you look at the villains where it's like the villains think they're so cool. And I get from a writer's standpoint whatever you know you need to establish you need to have this this jerky villain you know this villain who's a, a dick dare i say I'm, I'm saying that you know we're not supposed to like the villains because if you like the villains that's uh, they might you want to you know question like wait why are you rooting for the villains so we're not supposed to like the villains the villains have to be arrogant they have to be smart they have to be maniacal they have to be you know all this stuff but there, i don't know what it is about ultimate Reed Richards I just I, I and I don't think it's because I like the Fantastic Four so much that it just seems so wrong but there's just something about it it's, it's just it's not appealing you know if you're gonna have like like oh the King, oh, Sam, I don't like King I can respect Kingpin but if you're gonna have Kingpin it's like okay yeah you got that you know you got the Joker okay yeah you know he's overused you know but I, I get that but I don't know so it's like we're getting Ultimate Spider-Man it's like but we that's been settled you know we had a we had this great story and it ended and it moved on and you know there's some evolutions there's still some connection but it's going to be written by Jonathan Hickman so that I like okay even though I'm not loving Ultimate Invasion I'm kind of curious to see what's what's Jonathan Hickman going to do with Ultimate Spider-Man and to to um What's a the sweeten the deal? I, th- I think first I'm trying to think like dessert, like you know, not the cherry on the top, but like sprinkles. I don't know what I'm trying to think. I, I could go for some dessert. I never have a dessert. <laughs> uh, Marco Cicchetto is going to be doing art, so it's like woo wee, <laughs> boy howdy. <laughs> I think they said that in Adventure Time. Uh, so okay, I really don't know what's the big. And it, uh, the the other thing is, I'm like ninety. Six point two percent sure it's not the ultimate Spider-Man that we knew before. I think because I'm assuming I'm I'm yeah I'm trying to read Ultimate Invasion, but it's it's not holding my my full interest. If you love it, I'm so happy for you. And I I mean I'm not trying. That sounds like I'm being so like sarcastic, whatever. But no, I want people to you know love what they're reading. But I just I'm not. But we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I will I will definitely read that and let you know my thoughts on that. And um, let's, let's hear my thoughts on other comics that, that I actually read uh, that I managed to have time to read because that is going to be news for the week. All right, with comic books. So like I said, something happened. I didn't read as much. I really don't know what happened. 
I, yeah, I, I don't know. What I might do, depending on how, you know, again, because I still have a little bit of time before this gets published, but I might try to read some more, see, and then, and maybe just tack it on at the end. So, like, because, you know, there's, there's some other, like, image books that I, it's like, man, I wish I would have read that because I want, I want to read it. I want to give attention to it and, you know, whatever. But so maybe I'll do like at the end, like after DC, if I can. So no promises. But what I did read, so um, just kind of going in sort of alphabetical order. Uh, Bone Orchard Tenement number four. This this is such a. It's a you know Jeff Lemire, uh, Andrea Sorrentino, and I, I I probably say the same thing every time there's a new issue. It's just it's such a bizarre um, series. And Andrea Sorrentino, if you read Gideon Falls. It's, it's, it's kind of scary in a way, just just this vibe that's established. And what I mean by scary is that, is that it's like I would, I would be like be in a ball crying almost if I was in when a world drawn by uh, Andrea Sorrentino. Because it's just, it's, there's just, it's not that it's like scary, like horrible, disfigured monsters or anything like that, but it's just, just this vibe that it's like, oh my gosh, what, what's going to happen? And there, there's like no way out or I don't, I don't know. It's just, so rule of thumb, actually not, I don't want to say that. That's, that's a bad expression, right? Um, general rule guideline life or, you know, if you're advice for reading comics, if you're like not current, you know, not reading a whole lot of comics, Best thing you can do: look up, read anything by Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. If you, you see them, it's it's going to be good. You know, even going back to like when they were doing Green Arrow, I mean that, that they they took a series that was not very interesting. I, I don't remember what was going on, but it was just it, it just I don't know. It was just it wasn't really vibing for me so much. And then they just it just turned things around. And and I I I just love the way they work. And you know it would be interesting to see like how the scripts like how what's their collaborative process because you know jeff lemire is a great artist in his own right and you know he i I would assume for a writer slash artist that when you're you know writing your script you know maybe you can kind of visualize some things and and you know maybe how he visualized things might not be the same way that andrea sorrentino would would visualize it and you know they kind of adapt but you know i'm sure he even if you know they don't have the right thinking, he probably knows what could come out of this. So he could probably like write, okay, I'm gonna try to do this, you know, put this out, and maybe it'll explode in a whole like even bigger than I could imagine. Or or maybe it's just like, hey, do this, this. I don't know. But it would be interesting to see that. And I, I think that's different from just a writer writer. And I'm not trying to diminish writer writers, but. You know, it, it's one thing to write something and just say, "Yeah, draw this." You know, it, you know here's a flock of birds flying in, in the middle of a traffic jam, and, and you know, whatever, and it's snowing. You know, it's all this stuff that you have to draw in one panel, which would be be crazy. But um, going back to, I haven't talked anything about this comic. You know, we have this tenement. There's these seven people that are kind of brought together, and they they just live in this building. They're not like friends at all i mean there's one guy who's a complete jerk that no one can can stand but this one dude died and and then because of that death they were kind of brought into it i think what ends up happening if i remember they go into like his apartment or whatever and there's like this power outage you know the elevator's not working and they 
go down, there's these stairs, but they're like, wait, these stairs don't, shouldn't exist. You know, the physics is off. So they go down and they're like in this cave and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And wait, where'd that kid go? And who's this over here? Who are these people? What's, what's going on? There's just so many weird and freaky things. And it's, and then it's, it's like, this is one of those points where, you know, they don't do it all the time, but it's like the last page is like a holy crap. It's like, wait, what is going on? What does this mean? So you should definitely read that. Other Jeff Lemire book, uh, Fish Flies, number two. So this, the, the first <laughs> issue, uh, I guess we can, uh, I guess we can reveal it. So there's these fish flies, which is, I, I think it's like, I, I forgot where it was, like, if it's like Canada, like maybe like Southern Canada, like, I don't know if it, for some reason I have like, not like Michigan or Lake Erie. I don't know. I don't know my my jo- my lake's geography that, that great, I guess. But there's these fish flies that I think it's, it's like two weeks over the summer. And I don't know if it's every year. I don't remember now. Where they just come and they just... They just like cover everything. They And then I think it's like maybe it's like... Maybe it was like three days. Is it two weeks? And then they just die. And then you got all these... these bug carcass over everything which would be disgusting <laughs> and the, the, the first issue starts off with these these three kids they're going to go in this convenience store and they're daring one kid to go you know walk across the parking lot to the convenience store but i think to sweeten the deal they're like you have to do it barefoot so you're gonna have to go and crunch on all these bugs which again is disgusting and um what ends up happening is at the same time this dude is robbing the the, the quickie mart whatever the convenience store so the kid gets shot, and the the dude goes on a run. But then he's hiding out, and he ends up turning into a bug, like a life size bug. It's just like what? It's 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 a good book. I mean, you, you should definitely read. It. And it's it's drawn, written and drawn by Jeff Lemire. And you know, he there's something about his art style where you know it it speaks so much on on its own. So you should definitely check that out. Um, Haunt you till the end. So this is a Top Cow book, uh, Top Cow image, and uh, what's interesting about this? So you know, I, I know I feel like I've just talked about the the, the previous issue, but it's like in a far off you know, near 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 future, whatever you know, climate stuff, climate. You know, there's there's a lot of you know, the world's messed up type of thing and resources and and all that. But there's this rich dude who kind of gathers all these people because he. He's interested in like in the supernatural stuff, and you know he, he has some mercenaries, he has a priest, and because you know they're supposed he's gonna go go to this island. I almost feel like I'm getting too excited. Uh, they're gonna go to this island where they're supposed to be haunted. It's like I think it's supposed to be the most haunted place in the world, or not really the world. And he he also brings this like journalist dude who absolutely does not believe in any of that stuff. But you know the guy was a little down. You know, needed some money, and this dude's like, "Hey, I'll pay you to come." And and part of it is is not just to discredit the whole thing, but it's like, "Hey, you don't believe this? You're by you writing about this when you see the things that you're going to see. That's going to be huge." And you know, there, there's other people, but then there's just like some dark stuff happening as well. It's like, wait, is what is it? What are there going to be ghosts there? And what's everyone's does everyone's motive? Are they just there to work for this dude, or is there other stuff going on? And so yeah, you should check that out. Um, there is also, um, I still haven't finished the first issue of In Hell We Fight. I keep meaning to do that, but I haven't read that. 
And then, um, see, I guess that's it. So what I need to try to read, and I, I, I can't guarantee I'll do it this this week that I'll get to it. Because Kaya issue 11 came out, and I, I'm that's Wes Craig. I'm, I'm really digging that. Click, click, boom. I, I don't think I ever read the second issue. So I, I yeah, I, I don't know about that. And then Noctera issue 16 came out. So I should read that. Um, I will mention Old Dog Trade Paperback came out. So that's Declan Shelby. You should read that. That was, was pretty cool. And then Scrapper issue three. Did I read Scrapper two? So Scrapper is like the dog. It's kind of Blade Runner dog type of thing. And uh, yeah, I don't know if I, I think I read the second issue. I don't remember. But that, that came out. So that was, um, I think that's everything at, at Image. At Marvel Comics, I think, <laughs> I, think I, I read almost everything I would normally read. So we have Alpha Flight, issue two. What the, so the stuff that I'm having with Alpha Flight, and this is like the same thing that work, I, I, the stuff with Alpha Flight and X-Men and then, like, what's happening in Wonder Woman, the Tom King Wonder Woman, which I'll talk about in just a bit, it, it's just, it's, it's like, it's, okay, let's establish this horrible condition, horrible environment for our heroes. So not only is it about the heroes trying to fight villains, but it's also about the heroes trying to fight the government, you know, just the bigger, you know, everything. And... uh it's so and on some levels I find it annoying. I find it I, I think I find it just frustrating. And but you know it, that's how it's supposed to be. You know, because I, I think it, it does add a little more not necessarily political, but a more you know, there, there's almost a realistic aspect to it because you know if you know superheroes and powers and stuff are real, that there's gonna be a lot of red tape, there's gonna be a lot of people trying to be in control and trying to, you know, do whatever. So a lot of people don't agree with that. So basically, you know, the whole fall of X is, you know, this, this or these anti-mutants, like, like, okay, let's manipulate all these events, make mutants look like they're horrible. Then, you know, we, we basically want to get rid of them. And, and that right there is just annoying that it's, it's racism to another level. And, 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 you know, some of the books were, I forget which, one of the, one of the X Men books, they're like, oh, but it, we're not being racist because they're not human, which just again seems odd. It's like a mutant was born from humans. At at some point, you know, they were pure human parents, but then the mutant gene developed. So it's it's like saying, oh, someone was born left handed. They're not human. They're not right-handed, so they, they can't. Even though they, their parents could both be right-handed, so it's just I, I find it just I find it like despicable, and it's just it's it to me on, on some level it's it's not fun because it's just it's despicable. It's ridiculous. It's ludicrous. It's all the isses, whatever. So with Alpha Flight. The annoying thing is, so you know, we're talking about the Canadian government, and they're, they're kind of going along with this. They're like, yeah, you know, we got, we're going along. Yeah, no mutants. You know, we need to hunt them down and all that. And it just seems so bizarre. It's like you are a mutant, you have no rights. 
And I guess you could say, you know, again, not talking about necessarily Canada, because I don't really know the Canadian, is there a Bill of Rights in Canada? I, I, I'm sure there's something. But it's it's basically like you're saying, oh, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, the, the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Commandments, the, um, you know what I'm saying. That doesn't apply to you because the, the, independent, the Declaration of Independence was written for humans, by humans. And it's, it wasn't written for mutants you know and, and the same thing you know if, if we want to get try serious i know i'm like kind of making jokes or cracking up over this but you know the the rights of that didn't apply to slaves because they weren't considered well i mean what was the idea i mean and that's the other thing that see this is why i'm getting so angry how could people think that slavery on any level could be okay it's like, okay, we're, we're obtaining, we're kidnapping these people from another country. We're bringing them over and they have no say whatsoever. We are saying that they are not even, you know, citizens or not. They have no rights. So they're going to do what we want to do. And then you got the whole things like, oh, you can't drink out of this water fountain because you're black. You're just, I mean, it's just, it just, it's, it makes me angry. And that's basically what they're doing. They're saying, okay, you have mutant powers. You got to go to Mars. We're shipping, we're kicking you off the planet, <laughs> which is just ridiculous. How could that, that be? It's like, wait, I was born here. I'm an American citizen. I, I've been paying my taxes my whole life. I, I voted. I've, I've participated in a school bake sale or whatever. And then all of a sudden they're like, but you have no rights because you 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 have this mutant power where your your eyes can turn purple or something or you can wiggle your ears i I don't know you can blow fire out of your i was gonna say your butt but you're not (laughs) i was gonna be like a taco bell anyways it just it makes me angry so with alpha flight it's like okay we're gonna hunt mutants down and do whatever detain them and then because Alpha Flight isn't a mutant-based team, there have been mutants on the team, but they are not the X-Men. It's not Canadian X-Men. It's just they came out of the pages of the X-Men, but they are not mutants. And then the kicker, which I don't know if I mentioned when I talked about the first issue, is Alpha Flight. Well, so wait, Alpha Flight's hunting mutants? It's like, you scumbags, how could you turn your back? You had teammates that were mutants, and now you're hunting them down because the government says so? No, they're not really doing that. It's a trick. It's basically like X Factor. Okay, let, let's act like we're gonna hunt these mutants down, but we're really gonna try to save them. And but there, um, there are other things that are getting in the way of their nice plan because you know the government they're they're putting this money into the box program. If you again know X or Alpha Flight and Box and so Box, it's basically like Sentinels. So there's going to be these robotic assistants to help with that. And, you know, they're, they're going to start putting more trust in that because they, they think that because they're whatever control, there's not going to be any human error and, you know, the mutants won't get away. But, you know, so it, it's a, it's interesting, you know, but, but despite the fact that I don't like the, all the racism or bigotry or whatever, and speaking of things I don't like, Amazing Spider-Man 34. Oh, my goodness. So one thing 
One thing that kind of confused me, and I don't know what happened to my voice there. Uh, on the very first page, Randy Robertson, he, he goes to visit his fiance, And um, so, you know, Beetle, Tombstone's daughter. She looks different than from what I remember her looking. And at first I'm like, I was like, who drew this? And I was like, oh, it's Patrick Gleason. But I don't know. It's it just... I feel like if, if you would have shown me this panel without me even knowing what comic or maybe if, if, I, if I knew what comic was, I wouldn't know who that was. Because I just feel like, I don't know, I'm trying to remember how, her name is Janine, right? Because I know I didn't say her name before. Pretty sure it's Janine. <laughs> but anyways, aside from that, you know, there, there's still some some fallout with Tombstone because, you know, Tombstone was targeted you know, when, when they're about to get married. Uh, um randy and not randy yeah is it randy yeah randy robertson oh my goodness the other part what what's going on is <laughs> which is just like what is going on so spider-man has been infected with norman osborne's sins so now spider-man is basically kind of evil he's like being hardcore and uh we saw him already go after Craven or Craven's son. You know, let's not get into that whole thing. Buried him alive. Spoilers from last issue. And now he, he's continuing. He's doing other things. And like one of the things, like like Norman's kind of freaking out. He calls Mary Jane. He's like, uh, you and Paul need to get out of here because he's afraid that Spider-Man is going to go after Paul because Paul is dating, you know, living with Mary Jane. And he's actually right. Spider-Man's like, oh, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to, you know, kill him or whatever so spider-man is just being so extreme and you know on the one hand it's like okay it's it's a cool i don't want to say fantasy but it, you know it's 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 something it's cool to see a spider-man unleashed doing you know being a little different but at the same time it's like that is not spider-man that is something for what if dark <laughs> whatever they're, they're calling this this current what if one shots you know series I don't want to see Spider-Man, you know, almost killing someone just because whatever they can. So, and what, so what, what issue we're in? Does this, what what did I say? This is issue 34. I haven't been, I, I feel like it's been 34 issues that I've not been, I'm like, what is going on? I don't know. I really don't know. Captain America number one. So this is a this is a J. Michael Straczynski written book. Um, it's art by Jesus Saiz. When I first <laughs> heard about this, I was like, "Oh, you know, JMS is writing Captain America. Cool." And then it's like, "It's going to be exploring his past." I'm like, "Oh," I was like, "Wait." So whatever Captain America is currently going through, does that put on hold? Is it because he's not in Avengers? He's in uh, Uncanny Avengers, but I'm like, wait, so what, what, what? But it's, it's not just like flashback stories. We are seeing flashbacks, but it's, there is some like current stuff too. So we were seeing Captain America, you know, today and, and just like some stuff. It, it's interesting seeing, cause you know, we don't, at least I've never really thought about it so much. Cause I, you know, I know, you know, his dad wasn't in a picture. And then, you know, his mom died when he was young. So it's, it's interesting to think about. It. It's like, okay, so his, his, his parents are gone. How did he survive, you know, for those years before he tried joining the army 
you know, then we saw like, oh, well, you know, was Bucky around or, you know, and that, no, that's the movie. So that's not what happened here. So it's like, what, 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 how did he make ends meet? You know, he had no other family. And so, you know, we, we get a, a bigger picture of that. And, and I, I find that, even though I don't like the old timey stuff, as I constantly say, and I don't like when history is kind of like recreated or new things are added to it. It's like, oh, wait, here's a secret history that you never knew about. I, I'm finding this interesting, you know, if, if there are some things that we are learning about that was never established, it's, it's, uh, it's, it is kind of cool. <laughs> I saw some people complaining uh, about some of the aspects here because, you know, Captain, I think Captain America is like kind of supports unions or whatever. And they're like, oh, no, Captain America supports unions. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, I, I, do people have issues with unions? And, and this is my, might be my ignorance with it. You know, from, from a teacher's perspective, the union is, is awesome, is amazing. You know, you want to have that union because a union will, will protect your butt. You know, if, if anything's, you know, is questionable, they're, they're there to help you, to look out for you. And then, you know, to bring in other resources if, you know, you cannot provide them yourselves. And so, you know, there, there's a lot of cool things that the union does. And then I, I almost don't want to say the other part because yeah, it's not really a spoiler, but I guess I won't get into it. But there, there's it's it's a good book, so let's just say that. And I feel like I'm just rambling, but uh, so I, I I like that it was it was better than I, I thought it would be. And then there's a Cult of Carnage Misery, number five. I don't know. I mean, should I mention these books that I don't read? Um, just so you know, it came out. I, I didn't read read this, and I'm only laughing because I'm, I'm looking. Like who's wait, Liz Allen? Okay, she's in this. Oh, I thought she was. Um, I'm looking at this first page. And I'm like, so there's this female symbiote person. I don't even know who that is. Wait, who's this? Who's she fighting? Because there's she's fighting some blonde in a. It almost looks like a reverse black hat outfit. Because it's like. The, the white and black are, are like negative ass or were flipped. Who, who is that? Is that Liz Allen? What the heck is going on in this guy? Ooh, oh my God. Okay. I'm like, just went to some other page. I'm like, who are all these other creatures? I don't know what's going on. Dark X-Men. Ugh, this, this, is, this is a tough one. I, I kind of don't like the whole idea of it, but I am intrigued with, with this. And the other interesting thing, if I'm being totally honest, I feel like I'm sharing... <laughs> Whatever. Um, Goblin Queen, Madeline Pryor. I'm just like, what is going on? It, the, to me, that was always such a bizarre thing. You know, because when Madeline Pryor first came, and I remember, like, first re- when I was reading, like, the back issues for the first time, like, invest. It's like, Scott Cyclops is, is in Alaska. He's in Anchorage. He's, he's with some other... He's married now? Like what's going on? Because you know Jean Grey was was we thought was dead, or, or they thought everyone thought was dead at the time. So I was like, who's this? And <laughs> the other thing that kind of blew me away, you know, when we get the revelation that Madeline Pryor is a clone of Jean Grey, and I'm like, I never would have guessed that because I I think I don't know if it was John Romita Jr. doing the art, and the way, regardless of whoever was doing the art. Whoever was drawing Madeline Pryor, it didn't, to me, it didn't look like Jean Grey. It just looked like she had red hair. It's was, it was just a, a woman with red hair. And so I, so I always go back after thinking about it. It's, if she's a clone, you know, she's like identical to Jean Grey. 
And the people would be like, um, Scott, um, did you realize that this wife of yours looks exactly like your dead girlfriend? And he's like, what? What are you talking about? I, I don't see that. So anyways, and then, okay, Gene comes back. And then, and then, and then, I don't know why I keep saying it then. This is followed by Cyclops leaving his wife, leaving his newborn child to go run off in X-Factor with his ex-girlfriend back from the dead. So yeah, Madeline would be pretty ticked off. To make things worse, baby Nathan, baby Christopher, whatever his names he was going by. Then he have like Christopher, Charles, Nathan, Summers, Thurston Howell the third. He gets you know he gets infected with a transmode virus, right? And then the only way to save him, the Scotty comes. We got to take him to the future, and so he's gone. And Madeline wasn't there for that. I'm pretty sure. Wait, was Madeline even around? Did she turn? No. Wait. Madeline tried sacrificing her her baby during the the inferno, right? So was it Scott leaving that made her go unhinged? Oh man, I need to revisit my history. But I just think it's so crazy how she just became this evil person. And on top of it, the fact is, if she's a clone of Jean, shouldn't she have some of that pure goodness in her? I don't know. Unless, you know, Mr. Sinister fudged with the chemical menu or whatever. So then then the whole... The Goblin Queen costume. <laughs> Do people like that? <laughs> I mean, you know, you're looking at it. It's like, I, I get why, how. It's not a practical costume. So now she's, like, ruling Limbo. Like what's going on? Follow the X-Men. She's got her own team of X-Men. It's an interesting choice. I don't love all the people on, on this team, but you know, it's it is uh, intriguing to see. And um, yeah, so there's like people dying, and it's like, wait, what are you what are you doing here? You know, where where is this gonna go? It's it's yeah, it's it's just it's nuts. And and then the, you know, got the fact that Havoc is is like in love with Madeline. It's like, dude, you you realize that you got the hots for your your the clone or whatever. Does that mean does he have the hots for Jean too? Because if she's just a clone. I had so many questions. But you look on the cover, you got Maggot on the cover. And and you know we got Gambit. Gambit I, I, I I'm intrigued by Gambit being on this team because you know he doesn't fit, but I I, I like that he's there. And then um things aren't, aren't looking too good for Angel and havoc things weren't looking too good for havoc so it's just it's a bad time to be a mutant <laughs> uh let's see what else we had we had deadpool batter blood which i should i have been reading that <laughs> i don't know if i can like because as i mentioned you know before i thought it was just the the one the hardcover one shot being resold as you know cut up into single issues but I don't think it is. And I, I thought it was just called Batter Blood. It's just like, here's a new, you know, it's the director's cut, you know, as we see sometimes. Guardians of the Galaxy, issue six. Man, I when I first heard about this this direction for this, I was like, oh, this this sounds like it's going to be cool. I mean, it was so much so, I, I found a time to, you know, I did a write-up and posted it on entertainmentfish.com. And now it's like, I, I can barely post as, as it is. 
I'm not digging this Groot Fall stuff. And in this issue, it's just a lot of like the the Guardians are kind of reflecting. You know, there's a lot of it's they're blaming themselves for like all this the stuff that happened, like what happened to Groot and how they got in this situation. And it's just a lot of like boohoo or whatever. And and uh, maybe the Guardians are dying. We're not going to have any more Guardians of the Galaxy. Spoiler. Then there's Loki issue four. I'm not reading that. Um, I love the cover. Dustin Wind. Predator versus Wolverine, number one. Okay, so with this, you know, when you first hear it, it's like, oh, cool. But then you're like, oh, this is going to be so bad. And it's written by Benjamin Percy. You know, he's been, I feel like he's been doing writing X-Men or writing Wolverine for like the longest time. Ken Lashley. Um, wait, who's, how many people are doing art? Ken Lashley, Greg Land, Andrea DeVito. I don't remember. Do they all do the art? Um this is a, I don't, you know, so I, I did read this. Let me just say that. I'm, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. I can't say that I loved it, you know, but there is something interesting. You know, when you first think, it, you know, you think about the idea, Wolverine versus Predator, that's, that could be cool. You know, it's like, how's that going to go down? And I think part of this, because, you know, the, the question is, is this in continuity or not? And it's, it, it's, it's like it could be. You know, there's so many years in, in young Wolverine's life and, you know, before he's Weapon X and all that where, you know, you can squeeze some stuff in. But I'm pretty sure we're saying it's not, right? I mean, there's there's no no indication one way or the other. But uh, I, I, I guess it's a cool comic. You know, I'm trying to think. You know, it, it, it is cool to see, like, younger Wolverine. You know, I think it was like 19... What was it? Uh, when was it? I'm trying to see. Was it 19? I have 1930s in my head. Uh, starts out in a present day, and then it cuts to cuts to yeah 1900, circa 1900. So maybe a little after. So it, it's cool to see like a a way younger Wolverine, you know, and everything. Um, so yeah, I, I think it could be worth checking out. Uh, Strange Academy. Moon, Moon Knight. I didn't read this. I'm a little hesitant. Uh, I I didn't like the Strange Academy Miles Morales Spider Man one. I just I I'm so intrigued. And the reason I didn't read this it wasn't because I'm so anti. It's just it was one of those I ran out of time. I just I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think it's going to go like as I want it to go because with the way the Miles Morales issue went that just it just felt wrong to me you know the fact that Miles the school is holding this like interdimensional mathletes decathlon whatever it was that just seems even though you have superheroes and you have Asgardian gods flying around it just it, it seems like it was like crossing a line that like this it's it's a regular school there's no interdimensional mathletes or whatever it was so I don't know. I'll I'll try to read that. Um, I I've stopped reading the dark droids, and I if I had more time, I'd be reading them. But you know, there's bounty hunters, which I'm not really reading that series. But there's dark droids D Squad, which I don't know about that. Um, Uncanny Avengers issue two. So this is interesting because you know we have Captain America. He's not with the Avengers. He's trying to help the mutants. He's trying to stop. Like or- Orcus, I don't know why I keep in my head. I have Orcus and Osiris in my head. I'm pretty sure it's Orcus, right? Look at this. 
Um, yeah, Orcus. I don't know. Whenever I, I say Orcus, I feel like that. No, that's that's not what it is. So you know, Orcus is evil scumbag organization. You know, they made you know mutants get kicked off the planet and all that. So you know, Captain America is trying to help, and and he's where it's, it's rubbing some people the wrong way. Is he's kind of condoning heavier violence, and you know, because and you got Deadpool on the team. And it's a, it's it's kind of interesting, but you know, people need to remember is Captain America fought in the war. So has Captain America killed people? He probably has. You know, I don't think he was just. You know, we we've seen him, or at least we've seen Bucky with a machine gun. But is Captain America just like punching everyone? Yeah, he punched Hitler on, on that cover. But was he just like punching people and throwing a shield? I mean, did he cause deaths? Did he blow up any tanks or anything? So with this, I mean, this is a war. It's a war between Orcus and mutants. It's almost a war between humans and mutants. And he's, you know, trying to do the right thing. But there's like, there's just like so many different levels. And, and the other interesting is like the, like Rogue and them, they're like, Captain America, we don't want, you're not our leader because you're doing things too slowly. And what they mean by it, because they have someone posing as uh, Captain Krakoa, which was Cyclops's fake like identity, they're they're looking at it as if if um, wait, who was it? If a mutant killed Captain Krakoa, then that would make mutants look even worse, or something like that. So, but the main thing is we don't know who this Captain Krakoa is. Uh, he reveals himself to Andrea Strucker. She knew who he was. So that's one of the intriguing things. It's like, you know, how long is this mystery going to go on? And that, that's, that's a hard thing, I would think, because, you know, you, string, you, know, you build up the this, this suspense, the secrecy. It's like, who is, who is it? Who is it? And it, then it might get annoying after a while. It's like, okay, I'm just tired of waiting. But also, once you reveal who it is, then it's like, oh, okay. Or, or cool, all right, yeah, what's, what's next? So I don't know. Um, then we have Uncanny Spider-Man, number one. This is a, a bizarre book. So basically we have Nightcrawler in a Spider-Man costume trying to be a hero. Because, you know, he, I don't remember him going full demon and, like, killing people. When did that happen? Did I totally miss that? Did I read that? I don't remember that. But he, he's, I think that's what, what, what they're implying happened. And, you know, he's trying to redeem himself. You know, mutants are outlawed. So, you know, he wants to save people. But there's something, like, some aspects where he's he's saying some things. And, you know, he's like, is this the right word? Because, you know, yeah, Nightcrawler is German. But he's he's been with the X-Men for so long that, like, some of the, the things, the words that he doesn't know just seem wrong. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's it's weird that... All right, you're gonna. You need a, a secret identity, so you're gonna go as a Spider-Man with a tail, and you have pointy ears, but your costume is like highlighting your pointy ears. Which I think, I mean, unless they're like super hard and stick stick out, if you put a mask on, like you put a Spider-Man mask on, which makes it look like you are completely bald, even though Peter Parker always has like such big, you know, luscious hair, or thick hair. I would think that the mask would kind of flatten the ears a bit and there'd be a bump, but you wouldn't necessarily see that they're pointy like that. And then you, you, you have, 
you're wearing the regular Spider-Man booties instead of some sort of shoe or boot. I mean, I, I guess Nightcrawler wants his toes so he can grip onto things, right? But it's like, when you look at this, like, okay, here's a new Spider-Man character, new spot, you know, whatever. But he has a tail, he has pointy ears. His feet and his fingers are just like Nightcrawler's. And then he's teleporting all over the place. Hmm. So it's a, it's it's interesting. Um, <laughs> what if Dark Carnage? Um, I I started reading. I look at the first couple of pages. Who did the art on this? John McCrea. Oh, I, I like his art, but that that first page, I'm just like, you know, you got big old Carnage. He's about to chop some guy's head off, and uh, I was just like. Oh. I have I ever mentioned I hate carnage. Like, I'm, I'm kind of laughing now because there's this I'm, I'm flipping through and there's this part where uh, carnage get hits by like a sonic bomb and he's like screaming. And he's like in pain. It's like <laughs> it's not that funny. Oh poor carnage! Oh, man, I, I don't like carnage. Then we have Wolverine number thirty-seven. Wolverine and the Hulk, just Wolverine. Um, this okay, so cool. Wolverine and and the, the current version of the Hulk, awesome, great. But it's like, how did Hulk get here? And um, was it? I guess it was last week we had the Hulk. I feel like I just read the Hulk this week. So you know, Hulk. There's this girl who's been kind of. You know, she had, was an abusive home. She ran away. You know, her face is like burned from her a whole dad or whatever Hulk, Banner's like no it's too dangerous and you know Hulk is like no but you know he he kind of tolerated her like hanging around and Banner's like it's just too dangerous so you know he he takes off and but where it left off was like you know he wasn't gone that far and I think she was like wasn't she like in some potential danger but here now it's like okay he's all the way wherever Wolverine and then somehow they end up in Japan they go to or not Japan they go to Madripoor how the heck did they get the Madripoor? You know, did they just hop a plane? Where it's like, wouldn't there be like a, you know, wanted whatever alerts for Bruce Banner? Yeah, and, and I'm sure they have mutant scanners if there's all this mutant stuff going on. Unless maybe Wolverine had a private jet. Because they, they, they can't teleport there. I don't know. So... There's that. <laughs> we'll see how, how it goes. And then uh, then there's a X-Men annual, Contest of Chaos. Nope. So we have Cyclops versus Captain Marvel. Which, you know, I guess I, I'm curious. It's like, how are they going to write this? And that's the thing with, with, with these books. You you know, you might look at, okay, Cyclops versus Cap, Captain Marvel. Who's going to win? You know, you probably have, have in your mind. You know, but the thing is, it, whatever you think, it does not matter what you think. It does not matter how many issues with Cyclops you read, how many issues you've read with Captain Marvel or Carol Danvers or Ms. Marvel, whatever. Whoever is going to win this is whoever the writer wants to win. Because, you know, there's always, you can always write something else, you can always do something. So the whole idea of this the heroes fighting each other and then someone getting, you know, taken the, for this contest thing. It, it kind of doesn't matter because whoever's going to win is whoever's going to win. And yeah, so I didn't read that. But see, now I'm curious. I would be like, who would win 
but it, it doesn't matter because it, it's so, so subjective. All right, with uh, DC, so let's start with, with Wonder Woman. I don't know how I felt about this. So I, I kind of mentioned this earlier. There's a lot about this issue that I don't like. And it, it's not, you know, the writing or art or anything like that. But it's, it's just the thought process. So what ends up happening? It starts off in this, like, you know, little bar. And, it, it's you know, everything, you know, you just see like a close-up of a pool table. You don't really see what's happening. You just see the voices off, off, off camera, off panel. And I believe a dude touched this woman. Or kind of, you know, whether it patted her behind or did something or, you know. And it's like, you cannot do that. And, and you know, so the these are the type of guys where it's almost like they feel like they're entitled. Like that they're allowed to pat someone on the behind or whatever. So then what ends up happening, it turns out that this woman was a Amazon. And she ends up killing all the dudes in the bar. There's two women in a the bar. They weren't, weren't harmed. But I think there's 19 people that died. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's who, who, what's going on? It's a mystery. Who murdered this? Eventually it comes out that it's like, oh, it was the Amazon that did this. This is where I have the problem. So now things escalate so much. This must be a, a terrorist attack. This is the Amazon. You know, what, what's the embassy have to say? What's going on? All Amazons should be kicked out of the country. We're going to set this new law and everything. Because one person did something. It would be like if an American went to, let's say Japan, since I mentioned Japan. Say they go to Japan. This person that goes there is, is, is evil, scumbag, that does something really horrible. So then are you going to say, okay, you did something so bad, so all Americans have to be booted out of Japan. You cannot go and visit. And it doesn't matter if you're working for Sony or Nintendo or whoever, you can't work there anymore. You got to hop on a plane and get out of there because one person did something. They don't represent the country. It's not like it was like someone in the, the, the FBI or CIA or army or whatever. No, it was like one person doing something. So to me, that is, that's annoying. That is ridiculous. That That is stupid and and but but that's the thinking and, and i'm not saying it's, it's, it's stupid on tom king's part but that's the stupid mentality that the government or people the evil government and and you know fiction that they sometimes they, they go to these extremes and and yes you need these extremes to push and establish the stories but oh my gosh just sometimes it's like come on really so you know we're seeing all these amazons being like asked to leave and, and some like it's not going so smoothly but then we you know we do get a cool scene once we finally see wonder woman oh and and uh the whoever's this so there's this new like kind of task force that's that's going after amazons and sergeant steel is in charge of it who is sergeant steel i don't know a whole lot about sergeant steel and i'm, I'm not i'm not asking who is sergeant steel i know who he is i'm just saying in general so sergeant steel I don't even remember the last time I've read a comic with Sergeant Steel. Uh, wait, I think they did they reference it, but I feel like, anyways, no, I don't think they did. But now he's 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 like a misogynist, 
And he's just, you know, because he, he keeps, when he's like having this conversation with Wonder Woman, because he's like, you're not supposed to be here, blah, blah, you know, it's like that. He's got all these, these you know, armed soldiers with a high new, new tech that can like take out Amazons. And so, you know, he's just super arrogant and condescending. To, so, you know, and again, I think this is a purpose. It's supposed to be like that, to, to rile people up. And, you know, he keeps calling, he's like, oh, you girls got to do this or whatever. And it's, it's just, I don't think Sergeant Steel was always <laughs> like this. But, you know, you got to have these jerky characters. And it's so there's a lot of like, this is ridiculous that it's to this level. And it's like, wait, are you serious? You're going to attack Wonder Woman? And, and not, <laughs> whatever. But... We'll see where this is going to I mean, it, it is interesting. And uh, I do find this more fascinating than the Wonder Woman stories have been recently. They just haven't been working for me. But, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see where, where that, that goes. Okay, then there was Nightwing 106. And this was a this was an interesting issue. You know, I, I really, I mean, Tom Taylor's, you know, his, his Nightwing series has just been phenomenal. It's just been so much fun. And, you know, we just get, we're treated as, you know, such really good art. So there's there's a couple interesting things here because one they kind of actually jump back, and you know there's like a flashback to the, the Rick Grayson era just like recently you know after Nightwing gets shot in the head and he kind of loses some of his memories and he's like oh, I'm gonna shave my head I'm well he shaved his head because of the surgery and I'm I'm Rick Grayson now and I'm gonna be a taxi driver in Bloodhaven and I want nothing to do with the family, but then. Uh, this dude, and I'm, this is not really a spoiler, but this dude like is following him. He's like, you, you know, Dick Grayson, you know, from the circus, and and he's like, he doesn't remember. He's like, I don't know who what you're talking about. And he gives him this envelope. He's like, I wanted to give this to you, but I was I was afraid to to give it to you, whatever. And then when he Rick sees it, he's like, oh, well, that's not for me. You know, that was that's this is for someone else. So then he wants to put it somewhere safe. You know, he doesn't want to put it in a bank because you can't trust banks in, in Bloodhaven. So that gets put away, but he leaves it for Nightwing and not for, in case he ever comes back, he said, you know, instead of leaving it for Dick Grayson or whatever. And so we have that, but there's also like at that, that moment he was dating Bea, Bea B, B or Bea, whatever from the, she, you know, she owned that bar. So, you know, we, we get to see her again and, and stuff. And um, so it was just a, a good issue. And then, you know, obviously there's this stuff with Heartless or whatever, which I don't really care for that, that character. But, you know, you got to have the ongoing villain. There's also a backup story, which caught me off guard, where, you know, it's, um, which is, I guess, setting other stuff up. It, it's it's kind of, it's, it's a nice story because Dick and Cassandra, Cassandra Kane are, he's kind of giving her a cooking lesson, you know, to make pancakes and you know Cassandra's like just such a like a sweet character even though she's like so insanely deadly and you know so it was fun but there's someone like watching the apartment and I figured it's like well, actually you know that doesn't make sense were they at his place because I felt like they were like maybe on the second or third floor but I thought that he was like much higher than that when we've seen other things other issues but it's just so dangerous that he's coming out because at one point then then uh, Stephanie Brown comes in you know, the, the guy's taking a leak in the alley. And then when he goes back and he's like, where'd she come from? But she like walks in a room, like in her costume and then she changes. So it's like, you know, identity could have been blown right there. So we'll see. He's, so he's, this guy's keeping an eye on, on, he, on night on Dick Grayson with like, and you, you 
there's he's plans on kidnapping him at some point, trying to figure something out. So let's see where that's going to go. Superman number six. Actually, I, I did. Um, I, did, I enjoyed this, this issue. So you know, Lex is in a coma because he got like, he almost got killed in prison. You know, he was like set up, and Superman discovers that there's like this secret thing underneath Blackgate, like this secret um, prison. This is like horrible prison where it's like you're there. It's like off the records completely, and it's supposed to be like for like super dangerous. And, you know, so someone's been locked away all, all this points, like self-sustained or whatever. And there's like no outside contact or whatever. And Superman's like, well, who's in there? And there, there's like no record of that. And, you know, he has to, you know, he goes to, you know, Lex's place because he's like in tr- control of, you know, Team Superman or whatever now. And, you know, Mercy's like trying to help him. And, uh, so he's like, well, we, you know, no one should be locked up in there. You know, that this is not, and Mercy's like, uh, do you think this is a good idea? Cause you know, you can't talk to Lex cause Lex is in a, in a coma, but it's like Superman, shouldn't you wait a little bit? And cause he's kind of thinking that if Lex locks someone up, they're probably innocent cause you know, Lex is evil, but is that the case? What's going to happen? I'm not going to tell you. Because we're going to talk about Titans, Titans number three. So this is continued with the new the Blood Church thing, and and there's also like okay, you know, because we saw Wally West got killed, and you know he comes back and he dies at the Titans like doorstep basically, and it turns out he was from the future, and so they're like, well, we need to prevent this death. And, you know, they're about to go on this mission because, you know, Aqualad's with uh, Brother Blood, even though Brother Blood supposedly, you know, he's got this new church, but it, but it's, it feels like it's still like the old wicked stuff. While he wants to help, they're like, but you can't be here because they, they kind of narrowed down that, you know, like his death is coming up, like the time period. And, and you know, he has a point. He's like, well, I, I can't just sit back and do nothing. It's like we you know, you guys are going to go out there and risk your lives. And it's, that's the kind of idea. They risk their lives every day. They put on their costumes. But I don't know. We might be seeing the end of, of Wally West. Batman Superman World's Finest. So this is uh, continuing. So we have Jack Soar. And I just, I really love this. It's, it's a bummer that we don't have uh, Dan Moore doing the art. But, you know, we, we get some, some good, good art here. And just... Seeing the fight between Superman and I just I really like that it's I, I feel like you know this could be like its own continuity you know it's it's like these older stories you know they feel like they're out of time but they're you know they're they're in the back but it's almost like you know did this really happen is this continuity is this not and it seems like it is because um, I forget it, it the, the the stuff that's being set up that's going to continue in action comics or some one of the other comics so i kind of don't like that i don't want it to cross over i want it to stand on its own because it's just i don't want it to be tarnished by anything else like any other big event that might be happening in a dcu so while it's good to to have the connection because it makes it more credible or more canonical or whatever but i i just want it to stay on its own because like like with catwoman you know catwoman is tied into this gotham war thing so but what's weird about this is like I almost wasn't going to read this before sake of time, but I, I was like I did I did see here a spoiler about this issue, which I don't think I should spoil, even though someone else spoiled it. it has something to do with um, Catwoman has a has a mole on her team. You know, someone is is uh, is not who she thinks it is. 
I'll, I'll just say that maybe next issue or next whatever I'll, I'll talk about next time she appears she oops it's it's, it's a she it's you know it's the big thing that happened this is continued from one of the Batman comics maybe last week or a couple weeks where Bruce Wayne he finds out you know there's some up in a manor he pulls into the Batcave and then he finds out that someone bought Wayne Manor and it turns out it's Vandal Savage so the weird thing is like if he bought Wayne Manor, did he buy the caves underneath? Because then they're down there and, and Bruce Wayne, man, he's he's just he's like gonna lose it because you know he's in this big war. The Bat family is like kind of split. Catwoman is doing this thing where she's like, okay, we're gonna train whoever wants to be trained, all the hench people, train them to be cat burglars so they don't do deadly crime with Joker, Two Face, or whoever. And, you know, people like Jason Todd are like, you know, violent crime is down. This is working. You know, why, why are you so against this? And, you know, Batman's like, crime is a crime. You know, it can't be any crime and doesn't matter. And then, you know, the fact that someone, one of the cat burglars did get killed because the person, you know, that lived there wasn't supposed to be there. They got startled and shot the, the, the burglar. So, you know, we have Batman fighting Selina, Batman fighting the Bat family, and then he loses his, his manor, and, you know, he's at his, his family's tomb. He's like, I messed up. I lost our home. And, you know, so I was like, I don't know what's, what's going to happen. And then he's, like, fighting um, Jason Todd because, you know, Jason Todd's working with Catwoman and, you know, whatever scheme they have going on. And they get in this fight. And it's like, dude, you're, you're taking the time to fight Jason Todd when you could be out trying to fight a more like an actual villain it's like yeah he's breaking the law and you know what you know even though it's just crime and just theft but it's like are you sure that there's not something more serious that you should be keeping an eye on that you're going to spend your time your focus your your time and energy on your former sidekick because it's personal and then he does something to, you know, he, he like knocks him out and Jason's like, what'd you do to me? He's like, something I didn't want to do. So I was like, I don't know, what, what he, did he drug him? Did, what, what happened? We have that. And then there's a Batman White Knight Presents a Generation um, Joker. This is, this is I, I'm just digging this. Uh, I, you know, sometimes I wonder, is like, is it too much? Are we getting too many of these? But I just like all the, just a continued evolution of the characters and just like exploration of this world and seeing other characters come in, like who are they and what, you know, and just, you know, hearing more about like stuff from the past and everything. So this is just, it's, it's, it's an, an enjoyable, you know, spinoff series. Cause you know, it's, it, this is more by Katrina Collins and, you know, Sean Murphy, I think he's, I don't know if he's doing some of the plotting or not, but you know, he's not doing the art for this cause he does the art in the main series, but this is, I'm just, I'm, I'm really digging this. I'm so happy that this, own you know continuity exists because it's just it's a lot of fun green lantern war journal so this is uh john stewart this was this was fine and i i feel like a lot of people you know john stewart fans are gonna like this i what i don't like i don't like the current state of the green lantern Corps because i i feel like i missed it like when did this happen and, and you know they, they've talked about it so the green lantern Corps. It's kind of dismantled. The United Nation of Planets now controls the Green Lantern Corps, which seems absurd. It's, it's like, I don't even know where the Guardians went. Do we know where the Guardians went? Did they all die? Did they just go on vacation or they, whatever? We have Jon Stewart. You know, he's basically at home. He's with his mom. And 
I don't know if it's been said before because I, I don't feel like it was as evident in the other because you know, there was you know backup stories in the uh, the Hal Jordan Green Lantern series where we see John Stewart coming home, but um, and I don't think this is a spoiler or anything like that, but it's it's pretty clear you know his his mom is suffering from from maybe early stages of, of Alzheimer's, and you know so he's just staying around the house you know fixing things doing stuff, but you can see that you know he's he's not really happy there so maybe it's like a sense of obligation to take care of his mom because you know, maybe he hasn't been there before you know he's probably thinking about all, you know all the people he's let down in his life even though you know he's just being hard on himself and everything so but then what's interesting is a green lantern does actually come because they're like you are in violation of blah sector blah 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 because you're not supposed to have you are no longer a green lantern you're not supposed to have a, a energy ring or something like that and he's like dude i don't have a ring because you know with what happened whatever recently he somehow have has the power in him so he's able to make constructs and do stuff even though he doesn't have a ring which you know that was i kind of gloss over that I, so if you ask me how specific that happened i couldn't tell you because i wasn't reading every single panel and page and and the, the, that story so uh, yeah it's um it's interesting and and i don't know where this is going to go but we'll see um hawk girl came out i'm not reading that um i cyborg 3 came out i i didn't read that either and then there was a vigil, which I'm kind of... Is anyone else reading the vigil? Because I think I've read the first issue. I don't know if I read the second one. I'm curious, but I, I just I just got behind on that. And um, I think that's it for DC. Or at least that's all I read. Um, but I did, which maybe you can't really tell, I did go back and read some more image comics. So I, I hit pause at, at one point. There was the big game three, which... Um, so we're back to Image Comics. And if, if I was really tricky, I would edit this and edit it back in the beginning. I'm not going to do that because when it's, just, it's, it's too much work. And I just, you know, full disclosure, whatever. So I'm talking about it now, even though I already talked about Image. Um, so big game, man. <laughs> this, this is Mark Miller. This is Mark Miller's big, huge crossover. You know, all his, his books, all his characters. But what makes this hard is... So, you know, we got these villains. They're just, they're obliterating all the heroes. It's just like, like no, you can't kill this, this, you know, you can't do that. Because there's like in the beginning, I won't say which character, but, you know, you got a character trying to do this really sweet, good deed and everything like that. And then they, get, they get a, spoiler, they get a, like a bomb dropped on them, like, like a nuke bomb or something like that. And then you just seem like get there must be incinerated. I don't think there's any way they could have survived that. And the, but the, the fact is they weren't, or not the fact. The thing is they weren't alone when that. So it's like the person, the thing, whoever was with them is also obliterated. And it's just like, <laughs> and then there's some cool parts like uh, when um, Hicker was being targeted, she gets saved by Exy from you know Kingsman from Wanted, which is like. Was it Wanted? Was he in Wanted? I'm, I'm just thinking of the movie. I haven't read the comics so long. But so we have Eggsy and Hit Girl. It was like, oh, this is awesome. And, you know, they actually survived the last issue. Are they going to survive this issue? That's all I'll say. Because, you know, it's like, I, I, I'm trying to think, you know, of all these characters, you know, you, you, you grow to, you know, 
be, be not necessarily attached to these characters, but some of them is like, I want Hit Girl. I, I feel like because there's been so many other Hit Girl series and everything, it's like you want Hit Girl to survive. You want Eggsy to survive. And, you know, and we see Dave Lewinsky, you know, kick ass. He, he's like, I haven't been, I haven't put on a costume in 10 years, but it's like, you know, they said anyone who has ever been a hero, you know, we need to step up. So he's putting on a, on a suit that's probably not going to go well for him. You know, nothing happens to him in this issue. I just, you know, if, if he hasn't been a hero in 10 years, is he going to, how's he going to do? Because, you know, we've seen other people just like, it's like, holy cow. So it's just, I just don't know. I mean, somehow is everyone to be miraculously safe? There is someone else who has no powers or whatever, and they're like, well, better safe than sorry. It's like, what the heck? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so, so there is that. Um, then there is a Kaya issue 11. So Kaya, uh, this, I, I almost feel like, holy crap, things are really getting cranked up and amping up. I'm, I'm like, is this the final issue? Like, everything's like, all this stuff's happening. You know, with, with Jin, you know, he, something major happens with him. He goes through a change and, you know, Kaya, and I will say Kaya gets her arm back. And so there's, there's just a lot of cool action and, and just, yeah, so this is the end of book two. And uh, is this is just, there's just a lot of action adventure and uh, just, you know, different creatures, different species and, you know, hints of magic and uh, it's just battles and there's robots and, you know, uh, for, uh, what, des- not destiny, um, uh, vis- not visions, you know, whatever. It's just, it's a good book. You, sh- you should, should be rereading that. And, uh I started um, I started reading Scrapper, but then I was just like, I just you know because of time and everything, I was like, I you know talking animals and you know I like the I think I was as I was reading it, it's like maybe I didn't read the second issue. I have to go back and look, but then I I, I didn't read that. Um, I didn't get to knock knock Tara, but um, I did remember that last week. I think there were some things that I didn't get to, so. Um, I did read Enfield's Gang Massacre number two. This is a good, good series. Um, so again, this came out last week uh, or two weeks ago, whatever. It's a Western comic, and and as I, I'm sure I've said, I'm wouldn't say I'm like the biggest Western comic fan in the world, but this there's just something r- really fun about this. So I, yeah, I I strongly recommend that that series. So get pick up issues one and two, and if you don't have a comic story, you know, get going Comicsology. Which uh, good luck with that. Um, but you know, can you still buy them through Image Comics directly? Um, it's it's just it's it's a good series, and definitely you know if if you're going to wait for the trade, which you know that's not the best thing for series because you know they they need those immediate sales right away to know how it's doing. But it's 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 a good good series. I hate Fairyland issue nine. I don't think I talked about that last week, but um, this was good because issue eight, it's like holy crap, they kill off um, Gert. But then you find out. I mean, you're like she's on the cover, so it's like, what's going on? And so um, that I just really enjoy that that series. And um, I think that was it. I, th- I think that was what I didn't read the week before. So with that, that is going to be comic books for the week. All right, Harley Quinn, season four, episode ten, Killer's Block. So this is the season finale. Um, it was it was good. It, it, it does leave uh, a, a lot of um, there's a lot set up for a, a next season. Will there be a next season? I haven't heard anything. I, I I don't know. 
it it they feel like there there, there should be and um you know with with the the, the coming kite man spin-off maybe you know i don't know maybe there's there's demand for it maybe you know warner brothers max whoever hbo hbo doesn't exist anymore they can appreciate the show i guess so this episode starts off harley's in uh the kitchen of joker suburban home he's fighting bethany his uh his his wife or whatever i think i don't know if they got married or not i don't remember and uh, she's back to her red and black outfit, like the, the little shorts and whatever thing. She tells her, you know, give him up. And Bethany's like, I'll never give up the man I love. And then Harley's like, even after he disgraced her family on a podcast, then she's like, I'm an ER nurse. You'll have to kill me, bitch. And Harley's like, I was hoping you'd say that. So I'm watching this. I was like, is this a dream or something? It's like, this seems, kind, you know, just going, it seems like a little extreme. And then... She hears like some metal cling and the kids, Bethany's kids are behind her. The girl has like a butcher's knife and like a meat tenderizer. And the boy has like a bite chain or something like that. The, I forget the kid's name. The girl's like, get out of our house, clown. And Harley's like, you don't want to do this. And the girl's like, try me. And then Harley uh, turns a knife towards him. The boy's like twirling the chain and Bethany like, curses. Then it cuts to Harley's dragon joker out, out with his hands tied. And he's like, bravo, threatening children. It's certainly a new color of heroism for the Bat family. And she's like, I'm not in the Bat family anymore. Then it cuts to Gotham Hospital. Harley's visiting Batgirl. Um, you know, she's, she's in the hospital gown with her mask on because Joker shot her last episode. And Harley brought her like a casserole and Batgirl's like knitting. She tells Harley that she said that she'd call when she was discharged. And, you know, she asked for space to adjust to being paralyzed from the waist down. And Harley keeps filling a room with like casseroles. And there's like a dozen tray like in a sink. She's like, who do you think washes all these? And there's this one nurse. I forget her name, Charlene or whatever. That, that, that was her name. But Harley assumed it was her since she's not doing any much else. And the nurse just like scowls at Harley and like leaves. Then Batgirl grabs her laptop and she says that she only has four minutes during the shift change to hack into the billing system. And she's like, thanks for stopping by. And basically like trying to kick Harley out. Harley goes out in the hall. Jim's sitting out there, Jim Gordon. And Harley tells him that she thinks that, you know, she's just on her period. And then Jim falls to his knees, you know, crying out to the fades, blah, blah, blah. He's like, and then he's like, if I ever get my mitts on whoever shot my Babsy, these old tuna cans are going to tear him limb from limb. Eat, I'll eat the flesh of his bones and make a soothing broth with his carcass to use as basin stews. And then I'm going to learn how to make a stew. And Harley's just like, uh, you know, I wish I could help you, but uh, I'm, I'm taking some me time to, away from heroing. So then at Martha's Bruce Steakhouse... <laughs> that, that was funny uh the evil ladies are having their lunch i forgot the one the the lady's name was it veronica kale uh, was that her i don't remember who it was but they're they're having a, a, a you know one of them they're meeting live wires talking about her first time in the back of her mom's station wagon talia said she did it with 20 other people she was the only woman and the, the, the one lady in charge she said that hers was on her wedding night and her husband's still mad but you never forget your first corporate takedown so that's what they're talking so get your mind out of gutters then um they raise a toast to ivy she thanks them but she says she still feels very unresolved like nothing changed then you know one lady changes the subject to lex's birthday party on the moon and ivy's a little confused and she's like lex as in lex luther and then the lady mentions that he's uh the, the luncheon lady says that he's turning 40 for the 16th time ivy's like guys we just cheersed me to defeating him 
And the lady's like, last year he rode in on the back of the JFK car in Jackie's pink suit. It was so funny. And they all laugh. And Ivy's like, wait, wait, wait. With Lex gone, we now have the ability to create something new like a like an all-female LOD. We could really do some socially conscious evil, right? The lady's like, ah, oh, were you serious about that? And Ivy's like, that's why I took the job to make real change. And Talia tells Ivy, she's like, you know how this goes. We win, we lose, we go to parties. It's all business. Don't take it so personally. And then the lady's like, now in honor of your big day, which of these sad, flaccid, flaccid businessmen do you want to throw spoiled fruit at? And Ivy just like looks sad. She's so disappointed. At the Gotham Zoo, Harley throws like a bucket of entrails and guts, I think, at Joker. He's like tied to a tree. And he asks if this is because he lied about killing Nightwing. And he's like, see, I was like, I had to shoot. Batgirl to make up for it. He's like, now my comebacks, double squash. I have a thousand Joker shop Batgirl t-shirts sitting at the printer and I'm going to lose my deposit. And then Harley's like, order up. Her two, two hyenas are on the other side of this fence. I'm assuming it's her hyenas. They're like on the other side of the fence. They're excited. And Joker's like, we both know this is not how I die. And Harley's like, right. It's like, this is going to be too quick with hyenas. I'm going to lose the meat juice. And she like blasts him with the hose. He's like, how many times must we do this dance? And she's like, no, no, no. She's like, I'm just debating the perfect way to kill you. That won't offend my friend who hates killing. And Joker's like, I know killer's block when I see it. And Harley's like, how would you like me to hook jumper cables up to your nads? He's like, jumper cables? You've seen too many boopy A24 horror movies. And she's like, are you still allergic to peanuts, right? He's like, shellfish. If you were bad, you would have done it by now. And if you were good, I'd be in jail. So which is it? Are you good or bad? And Harley's like, maybe I'm neither. Maybe I'm in the middle. You know who's in the middle? Norms, uggos. You want vengeance? Come at me, dog. And Harley gets a text from Ivy that she needs her, so she leaves Joker there. And Joker laughs because he's like, oh, it's another stall. Then he realizes, like, oh, my, my blood sugar. He's like, can I get some trail mix? But she's gone. Ivy's looking at the, the cover of the Gotham Gazette. There's an, in the bottom corner, there's, a, there's an article about White Collar Wine, CEO, which is Alfred, sentenced to Blackgate for insider trading. So Alfred should be happy now because this is what he wanted to do to go to Blackgate so he could be Bruce Wayne's prison butler. There's a, the, the main um, article uh, is uh, Lex Luthor, um, billionaire playboy turns 40 inside Lex Luthor's birthday bash. And uh, obviously Ivy's not happy. She's like, all these one percenters and butlers of one percenters wouldn't know accountability if it stopped up their golden poopers. And Harley's like, are we still not happy that you took Lex down? It's, it's never enough for you moguls. You're insatiable. You know, she's kind of trying to be, be jokey or whatever. Ivy sighs. She's like, I didn't take him down. He just basically relocated to the moon. And Harley's like, well, what makes me feel better when I can't destroy my enemy is dry humping in a closet. She opens this little like wardrobe closet thing because I think they're in like uh, the Legion of Doom office and a bunch of like tote bags come out from the, the evil woman luncheons. And then uh, Ivy asks Harley if she wants to be her plus one for a birthday party in the moon. And then Harley's like, they, they talk about some of the bags or whatever. They put Harley asks if she has time to shave her legs. And then she says something about ripping out Lex's fillers and showing everyone that she's a very decisive revenger and not a staller. Then Ivy's like, so you, wait, you haven't killed Joker yet? She's like, I'm sorry to make your thing my thing. On the moon, Harley and Ivy arrive via like a mother box. It's like, wait, where'd they get a mother box? Unless it's from Ivy hanging out with Steppenwolf. 
Ivy says she can't wait to see the woman's, woman's group turn Coke's faces when she fudging destroys that little birthday boy. Talia sees her and she's like, oh, you've come to your senses. Ivy's like, yep. It's like, that's what I've done. And Talia's like, and you've brought your hack. Wonderful. And she introduces, like, I'm Talia. And Harley's like, we've met countless times. And, and Harley has Joker on a leash with, like, a sleep mask or something, like, duck to his face. I didn't see that when, when they got there. But then the luncheon lady walks up, like, all smiley. He's like, oh, hey, glad you're here, whatever. And then Harley asks to go to the bathroom. But she apparently is not allowed to use one because she's a plus one. So she's going to have to go next door. But they're on the moon, so she's going to need valet or whatever. She says that, you know, she'll, she'll figure it out. And then uh, Talia tells Ivy, now that she's of sound mind, she can fill in her plans for Lazarou and something in, in the hot springs or something like that. So Harley's driving like a moon buggy with Joker in the back. You know, he's still tied up and everything. And he's still asking for trail mix. He's like, I'll even settle for the little pretzels. She just like shuts the back door and then says that he's lucky that she doesn't feed him to the, the void of space. She enters this, the other facility. She starts opening like, you know, a bunch of doors looking for a bathroom. Then, uh, she's, she opens the door where Lex's laser is next in, in that same room off to the side, there's like a green glow. You see a bald skeletal guys like lying in there and he's like, help me Harley. And we see it's, it's Superman. He's like all like skeletal, like, and has no hair. She gasps and she takes a picture of him on her, on her phone. He's like, no photos. And she's like, Kay, do you know where the bathroom is? And she's just like, just whatever, you know, change the subject. He's like, quick, that button turns off the kryptonite force field. And she's like, uh, I don't want to get involved. He's like, what? What about the hero code? She's like, okay, I am neutral. Third party these days. She's like, hello? He's like, here for the free drinks and mingling? Oh, and of course, support my bae killing Lex due to their business, but also personal strifes, you know? And you know, she, he's like, she won't be able to defeat Lex. And he like groans. He's become too powerful. At the party, this big cake is brought, brought out. Clayface is going to give a performance via hologram because his emotional support, shy, shy something, some like animal thing, wasn't or couldn't get through moon customs or something like that, whatever. So he starts, he's, sing, he's dressed as like Marilyn Monroe's, but you know, gonna sing happy birthday, Mr. President. He doesn't get very far before busting out a cake is Lex and his like green and purple armor. Tis I, Super Lex Man. He, his skin's like dark and he has like hair like Superman. Everyone's cheers and applause. He's just like kind of like floating in the air and Ivy just kind of like what sort of like rolls her eyes. Superman tells Harley that Lex used the ozone laser to block the sun until he was weak enough. Lex is flying around the room saying he's the most powerful man alive. Superman says, then he took him prisoner, took his cape, drained his powers. Lex continues, absorbed him physically and mentally. Superman's like, and worst of all, he has my hair. I have his hair. And Harley's like, oh, fudge, Ivy. And she runs out, but she didn't hit the kryptonite button. So she just left Superman in her. Which like he could help to take out Lex if he got, gets enough sun. Clayface continues singing. Lex sees Ivy and says, "How big of you to come? Sadly, the caterers didn't plan for crashers." And she's like, "Oh, I'm not here to eat. I'm here to kill you and then wear your skin as a trophy." And she makes like the celery and her bloody mary and like other plants around grow. It, it like lifts her up and then grabs her legs, but he just like stands there. He growls a little and tears out the plant that she's like standing on in half. The guests exclaim, Oh, Ivy lands on her feet and looks like, 
How does it feel to be less powerful than me in every way? She like scoffs. She's like, you have always underestimated me. More vines come at Lex. I think I estimated you accurately. Then these like lenses pop over his eyes from his suit. And he has like heat vision to like zap the vines. Some light compliments, a gorgeous PR team. And you become a perfectly ineffectual puppet warming my seat at the LOD while I built this. And she's like, oh, I'll show you who's a puppet. She lifts him up with like four vines, like grabbing his, his two, you know, his, his wrists and his ankles. And then he's like kind of getting carried around a bit. He's like struggling. But then he zaps him with his heat vision again. He flies at her, slams her head down on the floor, tosses her up. She hits the ceiling. And then she, she kind of, you know, he goes like, I don't know if he hit her again, but she's about to go flying. She like catches herself with some vines and like wraps herself off the block another punch. And she lands by the luncheon ladies. And she's like, they, 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 make, they say something like that. She's like, you think this is a party trick? She's like, wake up. Don't you see how dangerous he is? And Tali's like, fighting Lex at his own party? Such a bad look. Powerful businesswoman. Take an L and move on. I thought you would understand that from my mentoring. Lose my number and my real number. Then the luncheon ladies, like the one, whatever, shakes her head. And Ivy's like, screw this. She's like, I don't need friends. I, I'm a powerful businesswoman. And Lex bashes her about. And then uh, he's like, lady tree, socially conscious evil, splashy words. But ultimately, you accomplish nothing. Ha <laughs> ha. Then Harley enters. Nobody pins Ivy in a corner. She pulls out a pink gun, shoots him. <laughs> it just bounces off his armor. And the last one, like he catches in his, with his mouth. More people, the people are cheering, more cheers. Then he grabs her. He has both of them, you know, like one in each each hand. He tosses them across. Like they crash into the, like the coat room. More cheers and laughter. So Ivy's like, this is so embarrassing. It's like, no one takes me seriously. And Harley says like, well, you know, you can't change the system from the inside. We both tried that. Look what happened. And then, you know, she, Ivy's like, were you hanging out with the plus ones or whatever? Because like all the husbands are, or whatever. And she's like, no, you know, the, the I'm, you know, she's talking about the Bat family. She says, you know, she was basically the Bat family's hot stepmom that no one trusted. And Ivy's like, that's BS. Which, by the way, you would make such a hot stepmom or something. Then Harley wonders if Princess Ladyfingers, their future daughter that Harley renamed, if she wonders if she still exists since they stopped the apocalypse and changed the whole course of history. And Ivy's like, yeah, we did do that. And she's like, fudge it. We are so powerful. Even if none of these a-holes can see that, it's like, we're going to show them anyways. So she says, you know, they're going to make the world a better place. She's like, now let's go find that dumb ozone laser. And then smooch. Cake is being served. Uh, well, and it looks, you see cod pieces there. So it looked like he died in the pool in Vegas, but I guess he didn't. Other or else it's just a continuity error. But I was glad to see him there. Then Lex sees Harley and Ivy in a moon, like buggy driving outside. Ivy gives him like double, you know, flips him off, double bird. He gets angry and he like storms out. Ivy says that every woman in STEM knows that the laser has three functions. The tasks are designed for removing hair follicles and blowing poop to fudge up. And that's the function that we'll be using. Harley gets a reminder about watering Batgirl's plants. And she's like, oh, she'd be so good at this, you know, breaking into the laser codes and you know, stuff like that, whatever, you know, hacking in. And then they get like bumped. And Ivy, she's like, call Batgirl, Lex is following us. So he's like slamming into him because he took a moon buggy too. And Harley's like, no, she needs to focus on her recovery. And, and I can't feed into this computer obsession of hers. And, you know, Ivy's like, starts gunning the, the moon buggy. Lex keeps ramming them. Then Ivy's like, you know, fudging, call her. So she calls her, says some stuff. She's like, don't hang up, it's me, blah, 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 whatever. And then she's like, I'm going to put you on, on speakerphone. And Ivy is like, 
hi. She's like, can you hack into a moon buggy? And she's like way too eager to do this. She like knocks off the, like the pudding off her tray. She grabs her, opens up her laptop. She's like, easy, hit me with the model number. They both kind of look at each other. They're like, uh, then, you know, back row's like, it's printed above the left bumper. So they look out the window and they see it. They give her the code. She does some typing and stuff like that. And Harley's saying, oh, just take your time. Don't worry about it. She's like, I'm in. So then, you know, her face appears in the screen in Lex's car. He's like, my buggy's busted. So I think the computer says his destination has been rerouted. Um, he's like trying to fight the, the, the steering. He ends up like ripping the steering wheel off. He drives into this huge crater, crashes down, and he like lands upside down. So uh, Harley and Ivy enter the other place. Superman sees him. He's like, what are you doing? And Ivy says that they're mowing down tech, oil, and pharmaceutical companies in the name of socially conscious evil. Harley's all for it and everything. She's like, she's like but uh, maybe shouldn't we evacuate the buildings? And Ivy's like, I mean, do we really have to? Or And then on uh, Harley's phone, um, Batgirl's like, I just remotely pulled all the fire alarms in Gotham. And Harley's like, okay, now you're just showing off. And she's like, who are you going to take out first, hot stuff? And Ivy's like, let's rain fire on EWBC, Evil Woman's, I, th- I think it was a, that, them. And then she's like, Veronica Kale's company, boom. Talia Wayne's poop, boom. That overpriced oyster place that isn't even good, boom. And in Vegas, uh, Clayface gets a phone alert. White collar wine shares are now worth a dollar, something like that. So I don't know if it's probably from the insider trading, probably. And he's, he says something like that. And then you see outside, you know, people are running out of the hotel. And then Lex Cor- Lex Lexor Hotel like blows up. So I think Clayface was still in there. Bruce is in prison. He's like at his DJ table thing, you know, DJ daddy's money, dollar sign for the, the apostrophe S. And he sees explosions out, out the window. He takes off the headphones. He's like, the world needs Batman again. <laughs> Snaps his fingers. The other butler dude hands him a phone. He's like, do it. Call Judge Chase. Tell him his stepdaughter got an internship at Wayne Tone Records. And here, like the lawyer on the phone says, that, like, was like, I'll have him out by lunch. The laser room is like starting to shake now. Superman's like, turn that thing off. He's like, you're going to break the moon. Then he gets hit in the head by like a piece of ceiling. So Ivy says, you know, for, you know, for Encore, the Legion of Kaboom. And Harley's like, are you sure? It's like, what about everything you built? And Ivy's like, I didn't build anything. She's like, I was just part of the problem. So then she's like, says something, she hits a button, zap, boom. And then, you know, the, the place blows up outside, you know, a bunch of people, a bunch of villains are outside and Jim's, you know, working there as security. He's like, uh, so do we work from home now? Ivy tells Harley that her willingness to help people even while blowing stuff up is inspiring to her. And then uh, I, Harley's like, you know, she's like, thanks, but it's a real pain in the butt, you know, being in the middle. And Ivy's like, you're not in the middle. It's like, you're on the outside. That's what I love about you. It's your, it's your superpower. But then, like, you see the lasers, like, it's, like, still shooting. And the, the crater where Lex is, Steppenwolf, you know, he boom tubes, he appears there. And Lex is like, Steppenwolf, you came. It's like, no RSVP, no problem. The caterers planned for crashers, which he told uh, Ivy that they didn't. And then Steppenwolf just, like, turns and gives, like, a thumbs up. And Ivy's like, thanks, Steppy. And Lex is like, no. It's like, wait, I thought we were business bros. Steppenwolf hits a button like on his mother box and then they boom tube out of there. So he, he's taking Lex somewhere, somewhere hellish, I guess. I don't know. Harley says that they have to get out of there, but they like, they left Superman <laughs> they're, they're, And And then somehow Harley has Joker on, on 
her leash again. It's like, wait, wh when did this happen? When did she get him? They're, they're about to leave and she curses and she asks, she's like, hold my leash. She leaves and her, Ivy's like, what, what, what'd you forget? She comes back carrying Superman's like withered body. And she's like, you're going to tell all the hoes in the Justice League that a normie saved you? And he's like, I always knew you were a hero. She's like, and I hate this part. The worst part of the season. I'm better than a hero. I'm Harley Fudging Quinn. Man, my, my eyes just rolled. It's like, ugh. So the rocket takes off, and then you see the moon cracks in half. Then three days later, Blackgate Penitentiary, you know, vehicle approach. Alfred is brought in. He, he's telling the guard that he started a Fortune 500 company just to commit a crime worthy enough to land him in Blackgate. And the guys, the guard's like, well, the food's good, but not that good. He's like, oh, I, that's not what I'm here for. He, he says he, he did it to be reunited with. And he's like, Master Bruce. Bruce is getting let out at the same moment. He's like in a suit and everything. And he's like, hey, Alfred, I got my own ride. Thanks. And just like walks past him, like not even noticing that he's arrested or anything like that. Gets in the limo. There's a bunch of like reporters out there, you know, trying to get, talk to him. At Gotham Hospital, Jim walks out and sees a big like, gift box with his name. He curses at himself. He wonders if he forgot his own birthday again. He opens uh, the top. Joker's inside, tied up. And there's a note that says, this knob goblin shot back girl, XO Harley. And then he, he grabs Joker. He's like, you and me are going to have some fun. A24 horror movie style. My daughter turned me on to those films. I don't get them, but I do understand what jumper cables can do to a man's nads. And Joker's like, someone just shoot me already. Or at least take me to the printers to pick up my t-shirts. Then we see Superman's back in, in top form. Pushes the two halves of the moons together. Harley's like watching from a cemetery. She's got a bottle in her hands. And then Ivy pop, pops up. She was peeing on Clegg's grave. And Har Harley's like, that's the longest pee ever or whatever. Then she's like, what's next for a couple outsiders like us? And Ivy's like, I don't know, but whatever it is, we're going to do it together. Smooch. Then you hear, that is messed up. Bab comes rolling up in a wheelchair. And Harley's like, oh, come on. My hands weren't even in her pants yet. And, and Bab's like, I was talking about the moon. And then Harley's like, thanks for your help up there, by the way. You did good. I wouldn't be here without you, you little nerd. And Bab's like, well, I'm, I'm glad you called me. It felt good to do something that matters with people I care about, even if you did end up blowing up half of Gotham with the laser, you be, because she doesn't swear. <laughs> And then Harley's like, fudge the rules. And Babs like, F the rules indeed. Again, she won't swear. And I know I'm not swearing, so whatever. And then she's like, you know, she's like, F the rules indeed. That's why I can't stay in the Bat family. I quit too. And Harley's like, poop yeah, dog. And hands her the bottle. And Ivy's like, wait, is that why you called us out here to the cemetery in the middle of the night? And Babs like, I thought you guys invited me here. And then Catwoman pops up from behind a tree. Sorry for the late night theatrics, ladies. And Ivy's, so I don't know if Ivy just doesn't like her so much. She's like, oh, she's like, oh, being a fake and everything. She's like, oh, wow. I mean, hey, Chuckles, like, it's you. There you are. She's like walking towards her. Where you been, girl? And she like falls into a grave. And she's like, oh, I'm okay. What? You know, she gets out. And Kat, Selena's like, I was just doing a little late night grave robbing when I stumbled on some missing booty I thought may interest you. And you see it's Nightwing's grave. Babs is like, someone dug up Nightwing. And Harley's like, and they left a custom casket? So here's the thing. I thought the casket was supposed to be shaped like a Batmobile or something like that, kind of like the 60s style. Sort of. the, the two things, it was actually supposed to be his butt cheeks. So Harley's like kind of upset that they left. She's like, they left the custom casket? It was so expensive. Ivy's like, Selena, are you looking out for us? 
aren't you supposed to be on some art heist in Monaco? And she's like, maybe the call of the Gotham City siren was just too seductive. And then this is just stupid. So this is, again, come on. It's like this, the writing's been good, but then Harley's like, pinch my fudge and nips. The Gotham City Sirens is a good nickname for us. Which, you know, to be honest, I was never super crazy about that. I can appreciate the group and the, you know, the series, whatever. But as a name, it just, it, it doesn't really make sense. I, I don't know. So she, Harley says that's a good nickname for us. And I was like, well, I, I don't know if it's like better than the Cobb Squad, but yeah, you know. And then Babs is like, um, what about the Birds of Prey? And Harley's like, no. Ivy's like, I'm not a bird, you, you know what I mean? And Selena's like, there's no flying, really. <laughs> so Harley's like, well, that's settled. What's next? The Gotham City Sirens are going to find out who stole Nightwing? I mean, well, obviously, we'll, we'll take the weekend off. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? He's already dead. And then it starts like, you know, pan, the, the camera pans up. Or not really camera, you know what I mean? And Ivy, Harley, Ivy, and Catwoman are laughing. And you hear Babs quietly say, it's not that funny. So then the, the last scene, it's a Lazarus Hot Springs or whatever. So Talia's there. And then she's like, now, Damien, don't be alarmed. Your friend will be a little different, but better. And then, you know, he's standing there. Nightwing pops out of, like, the, the Lazarus pit. And he's like, Rawr! he growls. And he's, like, all bent over, kind of like a zombie, whatever. Then he whispers, where the fudge is Harley Quinn? And Talia chuckles. And that's the end. So... Like I said, lot, lot, not, I wouldn't necessarily call them cliffhangers, but we definitely have some setup for the next season. So we, we basically have the Gotham City Sirens. So we're going to have Harley, Ivy, Oracle, and Catwoman working together. And I'm sure they would pick up some other female characters if, if you know, the show does continue. And then we have Nightwing. Is, I, still, that, I think that's the one thing that bothers me is the fact that Nightwing or that Harley killed Nightwing. That just seems wrong. It doesn't make sense. Even if she's sleepwalking and all that, I, I don't understand why she would kill him. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's because she's got the it inside her. I don't know. Did I miss something? It just that I, it just bothers me. But at least he's back. Is he going to be evil, crazed? I guess well, hopefully we'll find out. And uh, see where it goes from there. And then, you know, also we need to find out what happened to Lex. You know, where did stuff we'll take him? So that was a Harley Quinn. That was a season four. That's crazy. I guess, you know, it's, it's well, it hasn't even been 10 weeks because didn't they do like two episodes the first? I don't even remember. But it, it feels like it's been more than 10 weeks, even though it hasn't. But it's been good. It just sometimes it, I feel like it tries too hard for me. But I hope people are enjoying it. And I, I do hope we get another season because I, I really like the animation and everything. All right, Ahsoka, season one, episode six, far, far away. Let me clarify again. Uh, last week, I was for some reason, I thought there was only six episodes in Ahsoka. I don't know where I got that. I, I, maybe it was uh, Obi-Wan was only six, right? I was like, it's so the last episode. I'm like, how are they going to wrap everything up? So it, it's it's not six episodes it's eight episodes so this is a six episode there's six seven eight so after this there's two more it's just so we're clear you, I, i'm sure you're listening you're like what are you talking about there, this is not the last episode or hopefully you weren't freaking out and, and or bummed out or anything like that but that being said 
<laughs> Holy crap, a lot happens in this, this episode. I don't know if I like this episode as... I guess, I mean, there's big, big things that are happening here. But last episode... I think because last episode was all, like, you know, the Clone Wars and, you know, the Anakin stuff. and So this this was good because it it's wrapping things up. But also... You know what the name of the show is Ahsoka. We don't get a lot of Ahsoka in here, so let's let's get to it. It starts off the space wheels going through hyperspace, which is a weird thing, but I guess it's not that weird because this is also with the the Yuuzhan Vong, which if you read the the New Jedi Order, that's what it was called, right? Those all those books, which are no longer canon, are obliterated, don't exist, which is so annoying. But in those books, we had this alien species from outside the galaxy, which is kind of like we're getting little hints of that here because we're talking about another galaxy, right? And they were like anti-technology and all their weapons and ships were like living creatures. So it's like, it's not that far-fetched. I mean, I read all those books and I had no problem with it. So the space whale is going through hyperspace. Um, Huang and Ahsoka are sitting in a cockpit of her ship. They're inside a whale, so they're, 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 that's how they're traveling. And and Huang's like intergalactic travel within a star whale. Now I really have done it all. And she's like, I remember them from the stories you would tell us when we were younglings, you know, back at the temple. He's like, Ah, yes, history of the galaxy, parts one, two, and three. And she's like, One being the best, of course. And then he's like, I still have those stories in my archive memories would you like to hear one now and then she's like oh not right now and then he's like perhaps you have a story for me and she's like there's something i didn't tell her about sabine and he's like meaning and she she went with the enemy willingly and he's like impossible she's like i saw it through the forest when i held the map well that is troubling and she's like troubling like, she could have ended this. No Thrawn, no war. And then Hoang's like, and no Ezra. She, like, nods and, like, shakes her head. And then she's like, she was fated to make that choice. There was enough time to prepare her to make the right one. And he's like, the Force provides you with insight, but it does not give one all the answers. And then she's like, meaning? Perhaps for Sabine, it was the only choice. What does Ahsoka do? She sighs. She sighs so much. Then she's like, a choice she made for herself. That is your fear? And then she's like, on second thought, tell me one of those stories. Your choice. So she just doesn't want to talk about it anymore. And this, I don't really like this part. He's like, very well. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's like, come on, really? You can't do that. Oh, whatever. So then we see Sabine. She's lying. She's wearing cuffs. Then she sits up. And she sees you know, Balan is is outside the door. There's like a little window in the door. And she's like, I was hoping for a room with a view. And he chuckles, you find your situation confining? And she's like, a bit. I would think this would be an opportunity for reflection. And she's like, I try to avoid that. I can understand why. So she gets close to the, like the door window. She's like, hey, we had a deal. You promised me I would see Ezra again. And he kind of like tells us that a little and walks away. She's like, hey, hey, we had a deal. Balan walks into the control room. Morgan and Shin are there. Morgan asks about the prisoner, and he says that she's impatient. And you know, she asks, uh, she asks him if, if he means to follow through on his promise to her. And he's like, her focus to find Ezra Bridger bl- blinds her. 
I believe she can still be of use to us. Then a droid's like that they've arrived at their destination, prepared exit hyperspace. They arrive by this like ring planet and Morgan says that is per- Peridia. I think that's how it was, right? Peridia. And she says uh, it's an ancient home world of her ancestors, the Darth, Darth Miri. The, and then uh, Bayland's like the Jedi Archive spoke of this place. It was the end of the mi- migration route used by the Star Whales as they traversed the void from one galaxy to the other. And she says her people were the first to harness and ride the creatures in days before time was counted, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, the whales came here to die. Pridia is a graveyard. And then we, you know, as they get closer, you see, I guess the rings, it has like bones and particles or whatever. That's maybe that's all the rock dust that makes up the rings. So the droid says that they're receiving a beacon signal from the planet's surface. And Morgan says like, oh, you know, we shouldn't keep them waiting. So the guards and, and Shin go to Sabine's cell and they take her. Then they all go into a shuttle. They go to the planet. Shin kind of like glares at Sabine. And it's, it's weird because like, I don't know what the make of Shin, you know, because she's young. So she's probably hasn't, maybe she hasn't been around other people her age. So they made us, so she's kind of confused with Sabine. You know, maybe part of her is like, oh, this is my, we could almost be friends, even though they're enemies. And she doesn't even know what a friend is. Maybe she's never had a friend. I don't know. So, you know, she's just like kind of glaring at her, but it, but it's almost like an empty stare too, because it's, it's like, what the heck is going on in her mind? On the surface, there's like these like kind of tall, thin like structures. I don't know if they're statues or something like that. There is this like fortress, like on the side of a mountain, this big like tower thing. So the shuttle lands like on, on top of this, this one part. And then there's like three robed women waiting and Morgan and the others walk to them. Morgan like bows to them. And then the woman in the middle is like, welcome child of Dathomir. You do our ancestors credit or something like that. And then she's like, thank you, great mother. So the, the three women, the three, the great mothers, they kind of alternate. I don't know who's talking when, I don't know if they all talk together. So I'm just going to treat them as one voice. Cause I, I sometimes when I'm watching it and it's like, wait, who, who's talking? Cause I, I can't tell. So then the, one of the mothers like, you heard our call to you in the dream. And Morgan's like, your vision guided me across the stars. And then Shin whispers to Balan, more witches. And I don't know if how loud she said it, because Sabine heard her and she like looks at him. And then the great great mother, one of them says like, long have we waited for you? And then uh, Morgan's like, where is Thrawn? And they're like, you shall wait, he is coming. And then, then she's like, or one of them's like, it reeks of Jedi. And Morgan like turns to Sabine and they're like, it is dangerous. And she opens her, her hand to re- reveal a, like a sphere. And then there's three of them. So I guess they all had a sphere. So they're floating or they, they start floating around Sabine. Then like a red laser kind of connects them all and it like tightens. So it's almost like a laser rope. You know, it's not cutting her, but it's like, you know, got her arms like tight to her, to her sides. And then they're like, it will wait in solitude. So she's guided by away by the spheres, like kind of like forced to walk. She turns to Balan. And she's like, we had a deal. Where's Ezra? Where's he? And Balan kind of like looks down or whatever. And then Sabine's like kind of forced down these, these stairs she's into this room. It's almost like it's probably not, like another prison cell. The spheres release her and she kind of like falls to her knees and then they like float away. So Balan and Shin, they're still on the surface. Like they're in some sort of like stone circle area, but it, it's a little more polished than the, the other stone circle. And the, the, you see the shuttle like flies away. 
so I guess, you know, I don't know, going back to the, the, the ring ship thing. And Shin can see that there's like something on Balan's mind. She's like, what is it, master? And he's like, this is a land of dreams and madness. Children's stories come to life. And she's like, I know no such stories. And he's like, you weren't raised in the temple. Stories of this galaxy are considered folk tales, some ancient past long forgotten. And she's like, with good reason. Sometimes stories are just stories. He chuckles. He's like, when I was a bit older than you are now, I watched everything I knew burn. And she's like, the Jedi Temple? And he nods. And he's like, couldn't make sense of it at the time. As you get older, look at history. You realize this is all inevitable. The fall of the Jedi, the rise of the Empire, it repeats again and again and again. And she's, she's like, then isn't it our turn now? Won't our alliance with Thrawn finally bring us into power? And he's like, that sort of power is fleeting. What I seek is the beginning, so I may finally bring this cycle to an end. And that beginning is here? Balan's like, if the old stories are true. So Sabine's sitting alone in her new cell. She's like, whispers like, Ahsoka. And then she's like, what am I doing? So I don't know if she was like hoping she could like talk to Ahsoka through the force, but then she, she gets up, she paces a little, then she like, raises her hand like closes her eyes so she's like trying to use the force and then you can see the walls like rumbling a little bit there's like some dust and stuff falling and then but it's not coming from her and she can see through a little window something's approaching morgan and uh, the, the sisters look balin and shin look there's a, a big a star destroyer is approaching the platform so it flies overhead and then kind of like the, the little shot, the, the docking or whatever, opening at the bottom, it kind of, at first, I thought that the platform was rising, but I think it's more that the ship was lowering on top of it. That would make more sense. So then they see in the hangar, there's a, a bunch of, they're referred to as night troopers. So they're basically stormtroopers. They're all lined up and uh, they they're, they look dirty because they've been there for, for years and they have like, the, like red wrappings, like, I don't know what this red is, just highlights or wrappings or something like that. But they're they're chanting, Thrawn, Thrawn, Thrawn. And then there's like a weird one with like a gold faceplate. Because it, you know, it doesn't have the regular Stormtrooper face. Like it, its face is like a regular face, but with the gold plating on it. And the closed caption says that his name is Enoch. And then he's like, fall in. And then the, the troopers... So, so again, you know, they're, they're dirty, they're weathered. You know, they, they have the red on their armors. And then walking down the middle is Grand Admiral Thrawn. So there he is, finally. So this is one thing. And it's just like, they, they traveled to hyperspace, boom, they, they found Thrawn. There he is. <laughs> but, you know, we, again, we are episode uh, six. So, okay. He walks up to Morgan and he's like, what was first just a dream has become a frightening reality for those who may oppose us. Great mothers, I salute you. And they like kind of do a little bow to him. Soon we shall all escape this exile, thanks to the efforts of Morgan Elsbeth. And she's like, I am every your or ever your servant or something like that, Grand Admiral. And then he's like, This is Enoch, captain of my guard. He shall begin the cargo transfer as per my agreement with the great mothers. I don't know what this cargo transfer thing is. So maybe I don't know if the mothers are staying there. And he's transferring some sort of cargo to them as payment for, for doing this. I don't know. So then she says, uh, um, 
GSC in the catacombs, so it'll take some time, you know, at least three rotations. And he's like, an acceptable time frame. Then the sisters say, they have brought a prisoner. And Thrawn's like, you never spoke of this. And the sister's like, we didn't, or we did not see it. It is a loose thread. Then he's like, well, speak to me of this loose thread. So Balin's like, I brought the prisoner. I felt she could be of some use to us. And then he's like, and you are? Morgan's like, mercenaries. Which is like kind of insulting, just a, you know, whatever, just that's it. So she's like, Balan's skull and his apprentice, Shin Hati. And then he's like, then you must be General Balan Skull of the Jedi Order. And he's like, I parted ways with the Jedi long ago. You would not be the first. So, um, you know, Morgan says that the prisoner is Sabine Wren. And he's like, now there is a familiar name. You were quite right. She'll be of great use to us. And Balan, like, nods his head. So two troopers bring Sabine to Thrawn. And he's like, Sabine Wren. And she's like, Thrawn, what a delight it is after so long to see a familiar face. I understand it is you I have to thank for my escape from exile. And she's just like, where's Ezra? Ah, yes, the desire to be reunited with your long-lost friend. How that singular focus will reshape our galaxy. Just answer the question. No need for hostilities. I'm aware of your agreement with Balan Skull, and I intend to honor it. Then Enoch comes up to her. You shall have provisions, amount, and our latest intel on Bridger's whereabouts. So here's the thing. I was thinking stupidly. I was like, "Is what's what's with this Enoch with this gold place? Could this somehow be Ezra? Has he been brainwashed? But apparently not, which is a good thing because that would be so dumb. Then she's like, so that's it? You're just going to let me walk out of here? And Thrawn's like, you help my cause. Now I shall help yours. You should know, though, that once my starship departs, you'll be stranded here forever. It's also quite possible that your friend is dead. She's like, if you survived, I'm sure he's doing just fine. And he's like kind of walking closer. He gets like kind of like almost in her face. You have gambled the fate of your galaxy on that belief. And she's like, you wouldn't understand. Perhaps not. And she's like, I'd rather not waste any more time. What kind of ride you got around here? So then it looks like she's been giving her armor back. She's taken to this beast. And then Enoch's like, Tota. And it, it, it gets down, like kneels down so she can get on the saddle. And, and then it, the Enoch's like, be warned. Nomads wander this wasteland and prey upon each other for survival. And he's like, here are your weapons. So he gives her her blasters and a lightsaber. And he's like, die well. This stone door opens. She rides out. So uh, the the thing that she's on, it's it's a howler, and it's almost it almost has a body like a giant German Shepherd, like the way the legs and the way it runs, which this is kind of neat. Has a long snout, but not not quite like a a German Shepherd's face, which is good because it has to be different. So Thrawn, Morgan, Balan, and Shin are watching uh, top of the tower. She leaves. Shin's like, she's on a fool's errand, and Thrawn's like, indeed, you may follow her at your own pace. And Balin's like, yes, Grand Admiral. Then Shin looks at Balin. I thought you were to honor her, your agreement. And Thrawn's like, but he shall. Sabine Wren will have the opportunity of finding Ezra Bridger, just as promised. And if she does, you and your master will destroy them both. 
So Sabine continues writing. The howler is like growling. It, it seems like it's tense. She pulls out this like big radio scanner thing and then pew, gets shot out of her hand and she like falls off the howler. The howler runs and she tries calling out to it, but then she gets shot again. It bounces off her armor. Thank, you know, thank goodness they gave it back to her. So she's surrounded by these bandits. She shoots one. She ducks behind a stone. She knocks it down as it comes up to her. She like shoots. She uses like you know one of her wire grappling things from her wrist. Shoots another and like it like zaps it. Sends this other one. It hits her in the back of the head with like a rifle or, or something like a stick. She gets shot again. She ducks. She she grabs the rifle or staff of the one. Knocks him down. And then her blaster um, gets shot out of her hand. She gets knocked down, and then she ignites her lightsaber. And in like five or so of them, they they attack her at once. And it almost seems like she's not trying to hurt them, but I think she is killing them because later you see they're just laying on on the ground. So then those on her feet, they end up end up running away. They're like, oh, we're out of here. So she deactivates the lightsaber, and she goes and she sees that the radio scanner thing. It's it's toast. It's like it's she just tosses it down because she can't fix it. Balan and Shin ride out of the temple. Crates are still being loaded on the Star Destroyer. Enoch goes out up to Thrawn to tell him that the mercenaries have departed. And he's like, good, prepare two attack squads. Wait for Lord Balan's signal. And Morgan's like, should we not send more troops to support them? And Thrawn's like, during this exile, our numbers have dwindled. So no, two squads will suffice. Enoch departs. And then Thrawn's like, our primary obje- objective is to escape this galaxy. It matters not whether Wren and Bridger are killed or stranded here. The same can be said for your two mercenaries. So Sabine's walking, her howlers like following behind her, and she angrily turns, You, you abandoned me. He's like, Should have known you were a coward. And it kind of like groans sadly. And she keeps walking, and it's like following. And, and again, it has like just the German shepherd legs. And she, she stops and she points. And she's like motion, like go, like leave. So it turns and she, she continues walking. And then there's just an empty shot, you know, just a wasteland, whatever. And then doo, 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 it's, it's following her again. So then, you know, after a bit, she stops. She's like, okay, fine. I'll give you another chance, but you better not bail on me this time. Got it? So then she's like, okay, well, friend, this is your world. And then starts sniffing. And she's like, you got something? And then she gets on and starts writing. Then the howler stops and this look kind of like, it's not quite a valley or whatever, but there's this little stream and she's like looking around. She's like, am I missing something? She's like, were you just thirsty? She's like, is that it? It lifts his head and is like sniffing. And she's like, now what? It's like more sniffing. And she's like, that's a rock. It's like, you're embarrassing yourself. Then it like licks a stone and the stone jumps up. Sabine pulls out a blaster and she's like, hey. And it's like this little green alien wearing like, it's, I don't know if it's like a fake rock on his back or it's like a backpack or whatever, or if it's part of it. It like moves up and it takes like a couple steps and it lies back down, it's like whimpering. And she's like, Get up. She's like, Come on, I can see you there. Then she, you know, sets her gun down, it stands. So it's like this kind of like almost like an insect light, like alien has, you know, kind of like eyes that like stick up. So she makes her howler kneel. She tells it, Tota, because, you know, it's, it's like it wants to attack me. I don't know if it wants to eat it or whatever. So it's it slowly walks up to her. Then, you know, she kneels because they're, they're shorter. And, you know, she puts out her hand, the howler like snarls, and then the alien points to her Mandalorian symbol on her shoulder, on her, on her armor. And then it like pulls out, it has like the same design on this, like a piece of leather or something like that around its neck. And she's like, Ezra, she's like, do you know Ezra? So the alien, they're, they're Nati, N-O-T-I, it keeps speaking in the Nati language. And then 
it's it calls out to other aliens. So there's like maybe like five others like under rocks. They're all like there, but she just didn't see them. And and then she's she says she's like you must know Ezra Bridger. She's like he's my friend. Then they they start walking, and then she she tells her howler. She's like you did good. I, I guess because it didn't attack them or eat them or anything like that. So then Balin and Shin they've arrive at where the, the bandits first attacker you know they're, they're looking at i'm assuming they're dead maybe they're still knocked out i don't know and balen's like looks like she survived and shin's like do you know the one she seeks so desperately and he's like no he's too young comes from a breed of boken jedi trained in the wild after the temple fell and she's like like me he's like no he was trained as a jedi you i trained to be something more and there's like kind of like a pause. And then she's like, do you miss it? The order? He like scoffs. He's like, I miss the idea of it, but not the truth, the weakness. There was no future there. And she's like, and you clearly see one here in this wasteland? I see what once was the great witch kingdom of Dathmeri. The existence of the great mothers confirms this. So she's like, they seem eager to leave this place. Maybe we should too. So I don't know. Maybe they are going along. I don't know. And he's like, perhaps they flee a power greater than their own. Something calls to me. Can't you hear it? Something stirs here. Can't you see it? She's, and she's like, I see bandits like up on this little like, like cliff. And he's like, he kind of motions, you know, to put her lights away. He's like, there's no need for bloodshed. The enemy of our enemy is our friend. For now, and then, and then from the bandits, the shot from up them. They're just like looking down, trying to decide what to do. Sabina and the Howler are following the Nati. Then they arrive at this village, and there's like these kind of metal structures, whatever. These little little huts, and you know, there's a bunch of people out, and just like they got hammocks and just doing laundry, probably or who knows what. Then she she tells her Howler like to just to stay there, like at the edge of the village, and. She's then finally, after walking a little bit, she just kind of stands there looking around and, she, and she's like, like, she's wondering what, like, what's she doing? The camera kind of pans a bit and then you see there's a taller figure. I knew I could count on you. And then she turns, she's staring in disbelief and it's just like, it's, it's Ezra. Cause she start almost starts smiling, but I think she's, it's almost like she's not really sure if it's him because again, wait, suddenly that easy, she finds him already. So it, is it him? And then, you know, she has this big smile and he's like, though, it sure took you long enough. And Sabine's like, well, you didn't exactly tell any of us where you were going. That's because I didn't know where I was going. And she's like, typical, always a plan, never a good one. Hey, it worked, didn't it? Didn't it? She sighs. She's like, it worked. And then they hug. He's like, I see my friends found you. She's like, yeah, your very own band of rebels. He's like, I have so many questions. You're writing a howler? How'd that happen? In fact, how'd you find me? How'd you get here? She sighs and she's like, let's not talk about that. Not right now. And he's like, Sabine. And she's like, hey, she's like, I just want to be happy that I found you. After all this time, can I have that? And he's like, of course. And he starts speaking naughty. Then he's, he's not, not, not tea, not naughty. <laughs> and he's like, come on. He's like, we never stay in one place for very long. He's like, let's help them pack up. And, and then he's like, Sabine, he's like, thanks for coming. And he's like, I can't wait to go home. And she doesn't say anything. So she's almost like, maybe because she realizes like, dude, I don't know how we're going to get home. I don't know if we can get home. Thrawn goes to the great mothers because they wanted to speak to him. 
And they're like, the thread of fate has spoken to us. Another comes, a Jedi. They ride the travelers. And he's like, well, that is unwelcome news. Could it be the recently deceased Ahsoka Tano? And Morgan's like, impossible. And he's like, I thought it was beyond you to underestimate a Jedi. After all, death and resurrection are common deceptions played out by both the Night Sister and Jedi. She's like, Balan assured me of her death, and yet he was once a Jedi, so we must regard him as flawed. No, we shall consider Ahsoka Tano alive until we know otherwise, and we shall prepare accordingly. This is like a bunch of crap. It's like, oh, Thrawn, you're such a master strategist. You're told that she's dead, but you're, you're so sure she's dead. Oh, and you happen to be right. Wow. <laughs> so he's like, I want to know her background, history, homeworld, her master, everything. But like, what if it was like Luke Skywalker? And he's assuming that it's like, oh, no, it's got to be her. Let's put all our eggs in this basket. So she's like, yes, Grand Admiral. And then he's like, if a star whale approaches Peridia, destroy it with prejudice. And then he turns. Great mothers, I shall once again require the aid of your dark magic. And it's magic with a K. And they're like, the thread of destiny demands it, Grand Admiral. And that's the end. So it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, I was like, okay, we got to wrap things up. And then not only do we get Thrawn, we get Ezra. It's like things are cranking up. So now we have two episodes left. And, And again, we hardly had any Ahsoka. But it was a good episode. All right, Adventure Time, Fiona and Cake. Season one, episode seven, the star. Oh man, uh, so this, this show, I, I, it's just, it's so good. It's, it's crazy. It's, I feel like it's so ambitious, and yet, at its heart, now you know, it's, it's a multiverse story. So we're seeing all these different versions, but it's, it's so hard in some of. So like, some things that happen in this episode, and more in the next episode, it's like, even though you know, it's like, okay, that's not. The, the real, you know, quote unquote, real version of this character. But it's like, it's kind of sad and dark and, and not the most upbeat, cheerful. So episode seven, we see this destroyed city, zombie creatures. We see a young Marceline like hiding and running. It's kind of like the beginning of the second episode, but except this time she's alone. She's not with Simon. So she like ducks and she sees a dead body and the feet kind of looked like the same size. So she starts taking the, the, the shoes or the boots. And it turns out this is Simon's body. It's, you know, I don't know if there's like puncture marks, but, but uh, Simon in this world died, wasn't there to protect her and everything like that. Then this like shadow falls upon her. And then it cuts to Fiona and Cake and Simon. They appear in this other world. Everything has kind of like this pinkish sheen, whatever. Cake and Simon are happy because they're talking about, you know, it's like the best nap of their lives. You know, that was on Baby World, whatever. Fiona's like, she's down. She's kind of, kind of, you know, sad and everything. Simon's pockets, she's like, oh, your pocket's smoking. And it's from the remote. And so, and then Cake asks if she's still pouting about that winter fling, which is kind of a jerk. I, 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 I'm having some issues with Cake. And then... Uh, you know, Cake tries reasoning, whatever, says that the winner guy, you know, got what he deserved. And she's like, you know, 
uh, Fiona's like, well, what about all the candy people today deserve to be chopped up? And Cake's like, well, that was self-defense. And Fiona's like, well, I still feel bad. And, you know, she's like, I want to make things better, not worse. And Cake's like, oh, you will. And, you know, once they get the crown, they'll change everything. And then they see, like, graffiti on the wall. It's like dead sun, dead people run. And Cake says that, you know, they can't make this world any worse. Then Simon's like, bad news, gang. The, the jewel's magic is depleting. Because, you know, he's looking in, in the back of the remote. He says it might be good for only one more crown dimension uh, jump. So they got to make this world count. So then Fiona's like, well, we should just go now. And Cake's like, weren't you listening? And Fiona points that, you know, at the top of the building, there's like three vampires standing there, like watching them. And then they leap down at them. Simon's like, vampires, run. Cake hisses. It's like stands her ground, punches all three because, you know, she makes like a third arm. And then she's like, ha, it's like not so tough. But then they all get back on their feet. So she like swats them down, makes like a giant fly swatter out of her hand. And Simon says that they have to fashion some like rudimentary stakes, you know, so he grabs a nearby chair, like smashes it, starts like, you know, cutting it, whatever, you know, like sharpening the, the ends with with a knife. And if Fiona grabs like a plank of wood, goes to break it in half over her knee, she's like, ow, 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 ow. And then Cake turns to see if Fiona's okay. And one of the vampires breaks free and runs towards Fiona and, and Simon. Uh, Fiona slams it overhead with the plank and it breaks. And then Simon's like, Fiona, stab it in the heart. Because it, 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 like, it rolled over. It's like it, the vampire's laying on its front. So she jabs the, the broken plank down like, and pokes his, his back and then his head. And then his back again. And he kind of turns his head and it pokes him in the eye or whatever. And, he, and Simon's like, in the heart. And she's like, it's a lot harder in real life. Then the, the vampire lunges, knocks her back. And Cake hears Fiona scream. So then Cake's head gets bigger. And she chops the head off. Of the vampire, of the ones like under arm, and they go poof, they like just they disintegrate. And then Simon's trying to stab the vampire in the back as Fiona is like, you know, she's on the ground struggling with it, you know, trying to keep it from getting at her. And then Kate chomps its head off too, poof, and then bleh, she burps. And then she's like, that was awesome. And Kate's or Fiona's like, I almost got eight. like, this world is scary. And Simon's like, it reminds me of the wastelands of Ooh before Marceline took on the vampires there and then uh, then like you know nine more drop down so cake's like you know let's poof these suckers so she charges but then water or something like sprays them and you know then there's like this big cloud of like poof and you know dust and steam or whatever and then they're like you know where's cake so simon's like it was holy water so this big candy cane tank approaches and points his cannon at them. The, there's like the tank AI is like, show, show me the teeth or show me them teeth. And so <laughs> it's like, you know, Fiona smiles and Simon smiles. But when Cake smiles, there's like skulls in her teeth. But then they like poof the dust. So the, the tank's like, no vamps, just dum-dums, ma'am. The door opens and a woman in pink and purple, like boots, whatever, pants comes up, has a gas mask and a rifle comes out. And she's like, you let yourself vulnerable out there. She takes off the gas mask and it's Princess Bubblegum. She has a buzz cut and she has an eye patch. So then she's like, a bunch of death wishers. And Fiona's like, Princess Bubblegum, thanks for saving. And then she's like, strange cat mutant. I saw how you chomped those vamp heads. Impressive. And Cake's like, oh, that? Easy breezy. The name's Cat. Cake. She's like, Bonnie, my team's on an urgent mission, and I could really use your murder skills. Cake's like, sorry, lady, but I got my own mission to think about. 
And Fiona's like, we're looking for a magic crown. Maybe you've seen it? Bonnie's like, seems our interests coincide after all. The vampire king has a crown. He uses it to summon clouds and keep the sky perpetually dark and vampire friendly. So I'm gonna gonna slay him or die trying. And Cake's like, now that that is a party I don't want to miss. And Fiona's like, and when you're done with that, we get the crown. And Bonnie's like, sure, let's get off the street, blood bags. So they head towards this like there's this sphere like shaped buildings like spikes. That's I guess that's a, the, the the vampire king's palace. On Fiona's world. Gary and Marshall, they pull up to this like fancy gothic building and there's like this blood drive and charity ball thing going on. That, so Marshall's mom's like having this party type of thing. So Bonnie's tanks driving on the, the other world. She put, puts on an autopilot. She introduces her team. So she has Huntress, their expert marksman and survivalist. And then she's like, and that's our munitions expert, Martin Mertens. So Finn's dad's there. And, and he's like, and soup expert. So Cake asks, like, what's the plan? Bonnie says, simple, infiltrate the hive, get past hundreds of vampire minions. Fiona's like, hundreds? And she's like, they're low-level threats. We can deal with them easily. And she shows them, like, some, like, tubes with, like, glass spheres, whatever. And Simon's like, garlic bombs. And Bonnie says that she calls them um, garbos or something like that. And she's like, you know, what we really have to look out for is the star. So and and her you know her hands kind of shaking and she's holding a mug in her hand and she like ends up crushing it. Fiona's like the star and Huntress like the Vampire King's ward, vicious, merciless. The star has outlived the rest of his inner circle, trained by the VK himself. And then Bonnie puts like a a hand to her missing eye and says that she has a score to settle with the star. Then Martin puts on this big pot. It's like beans and, and cabbage. And Cake and Fiona are both like, they're like, beans! <laughs> and I don't know if this is, I mean, obviously this is what, what it was meant for. And then Bonnie puts on her gas mask. Because <laughs> I guess she's like, oh, okay, everyone's going to start eating beans. <laughs> beans are good for the heart, right? So they're, they're about to start eating when there's like a squirming, gurgling noise or something like that. And Fiona discovers Baby Finn from Baby World's in her backpack. And Bonnie yells, how could you bring a child you know, into this world? And she's like, it was an accident. He must have crawled in during nap time. Cake like sniffs uh, baby Finn's head. And she's asked Bonnie, she's like, you want in on this? And she just like gets up. Martin brings a ladle of beans over. And he's like, cool hat. And baby Finn just like gobbles up the beans. He's like, oh, I love this little guy. Because it's technically his kid, but he doesn't realize it. At Prismo's place, Scarab's kind of, you know, he hacked into the, the big screen. Uh, he's like flipping channels, trying to find them. Then he gets an alert on his crystal thing. It's like new case incoming. Uh, you know, a cosmic owl comes on the screen for like profiteering. He just puts it on snooze and then like the beeping stops. From the, the, the cube that's in the, the hot tub where Prismo's like kind of trapped, he's like, Scrabby, that is a second alert today. And, you know, Scarab's like keeps flipping the channels. He's like, if you let me out, I could easily just zap everything back to normal. And Scarab's like, like, shut up. He's like, I can solve this. He's like, yeah, your plan of chasing him all over the vast multiverse is a real winner. And he's like, I've been chasing the wrong thing. If I get to the crown in this world first, I can wait for them to come to me. And he's like, well, crap. And then Scarab's like, thanks for the idea. It's like, but when did, when did he give him that idea? Was it last episode? I don't remember that. And then his thing like beeps again for like this overdue response or something like that. He hits the snooze again and just like grumbles. He's like, leave me alone. And Prism was, hey, uh, you really should answer that. You know, I speak from experience. 
So then Scarab like zooms in on, on the sphere building to, to like the throne. And we see like the shadow form of the vampire king and he has a crown. And he's like, ha, gotcha. And then uh, he gets enclosed and lifted into like this energy bubble. And he's like, wait, no, not now. And then Prism was like, ooh, Scrabby, you burnt. <laughs> At the palace, you know, it zooms in on the king. But but then it, it seems like there's a party. I thought this was like, the, it shifted over to Fiona's world. Because there's this woman standing above the guest. She has a glass of champagne. So this is, I was, I, was like, I was like, oh no, that's not the Vampire King's world. Whatever. Marshall and Gary enter from the elevator. And you know, then we see that that's Marshall's mom watching over. She's like, darling, you're here. And he's like, mom, this is Gary. And, but she like, doesn't acknowledge it. She's like, because you know, Marshall's just wearing like, you know, flannel and jeans, whatever. She's like, is that what you're wearing? Your suit is pressed and waiting in your room. And he's like, ugh. He's like, do I have to? And she's like, and young man, Marshall has extra suits that should fit you. Because he has, like, he has a, a, like a suit jacket on, but it's not like super fancy or anything. It's, it's not black. And he has like a scarf around his neck. And he's like, oh, thank you, Mrs. Abadir. He's like, I mean, Marshall didn't say it was going to be this fancy. She's like, I'm Gary, by the way. She's like, oh, yes, grabby. <laughs> I think she said grabby. Garby? Grabby? He's like, the little bakery entrepreneur friend. And he's like, you know about that? And Marshall's like, come on, I'll show you to my room. And, you know, as they're walking, he's like, I can't believe you live in such a swanky place. And he's like, I used to live here. On the other word, the tank's heading up to the palace. Fiona's asking questions on killing vampires. There's a proximity alert. Two people are standing in the road, like, waving, asking for help. Bonnie's like, no distractions. And Fiona's like, she's like, I'm helping them. And, and she, like, opens the door and jumps out. Bonnie calls her a dillweed. Martin grabs, like, a weapon. He's, he's going to follow and help. And then Bonnie cause the tank to halt martin um st stops fiona asks the two to show their teeth they do and you know they, they got teeth there they're holding their, their mouths open and it's like clear but it's like wait something seems off huntress is looking carefully from like the top of the tank she's got like a you know bow and arrow ready and then the, the they still have their mouths open a fly buzzes out between, you know, there's like a missing tooth in one of the mouths. So she shoots an arrow, knocks the disguise off. They basically had like severed heads on, on top of their, their their heads or something like that. So we see it's a vampire. And then it's like, Bonnie orders the tank to back up. But the other, you know, one of the vampires cuts this big rope. These spikes shoot up out of the ground, knocks the tank over, which I think is a little too convenient, but whatever. And it ends up like busts up the, 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 the treads of, of the tank. And it like tumbles over. Then the vampire pulls off Fiona's hat, gets ready to bite her neck. Martin like stakes it, poof, and she's like, "Thanks." Then the tank doors open. You know, it's on its side. They climb out, and Marceline's floating up in the sky, and she's laughing. Did you like my welcome? And Bonnie yells, "It's the star!" And Simon's like, "Marceline!" So she flies down. You know, Hunter's shooting arrows. She's like dodging them all, everything like that. She heads for Fiona. Martin pushes her out of the way. He gets ready to swing his weapon, but Marceline opens her mouth and starts sucking out his soul. You know, she's like not like near him, like right on top of him. Then he's like standing there in a daze, and then she pushes his beard aside, chomps down, his body immediately starts to wither, and he's dead. And Fiona like watches, you know, she's on the ground from where she landed, and she's like, Martin. And then Marceline or the star looks at her, it's like, Don't you look tasty? 
And then Kate grabs Fiona and Bonnie yells, open fire. And Marceline dodges the garlic bombs. Then she teases Bonnie, whatever, all the stuff. And she like flies away. She calls Bonnie a loser. And just, Bonnie's just like even more upset. So Bonnie asks the tank how long for repairs. Estimated time is 16 hours, 43 minutes. So Bonnie like punches the tank in frustration and the tank's like, ow. <laughs> Simon says, you know, perhaps he can help. You know, he may not look it, but he, he's quite the Mr. Fix-It. Uh, she leaps at him and puts like a blade up to his neck. He's like, how do you know the star's true name? Are you her spy? And Fiona's like, leave him alone. And, and she's like, and watch the baby because Simon's holding baby Finn and he's like reaching up for the blade. Simon's like, I'm from another world with another Marcy. I found her in the rubble and raised her as my own. My Marceline became a great vampire hunter. And where I come from, you two fell in love. And, and she actually like pushes her blade a little in his, in his neck and it, like there's some blood. And she's like, I would never. And Fiona's like, I'm really sorry about Martin. And Bonnie's like, you should be. It's your fault. I'm down one man. And more importantly, one tank. So wait, you're saying the tank's more important than your man. And Kate's like, wait. She expands her large size. She's like, I'm your tank. And then she even like extends her nose out to look like a cannon. Bonnie's like, that could work. Then Fiona sees Huntress take like Martin's army shirt off his body, whatever. And she's like, Cake, there are other magic crowns out there. And she's like, what? She's like, it's just, you could get hurt. Cake's like, Simon says we're running out of jumps. We could get stuck someplace worse. She's like, I can do this. And she's like, well, you're not going without me. And she's like, Bonnie, let me take Martin's place. And then she just like tosses like Martin's shirt up to Fiona. So Marshall and Gary now are all dressed up. I mean, Gary's kind of wearing like kind of almost like a like a ringleader outfit. You know, it's like red with the tails and, and all that. The lemon carbs are there and they're like critiquing the hors d'oeuvres. You know, they're complaining about everything. Gary notes that the, the room is filled with like power brokers and every big investor in the city. And Marshall's like, yeah, it sucks. He's like, but you should enjoy yourself. So he goes, he talks to this one like chef dude. He has like these red velvet pastries. He's like, mm, mm, there's something there. He's like, let me guess. And there's mayonnaise in there. And the, the dude's like, no one's guessed that. And Gary's like, yeah, you know, I'm working on perfecting a, you know, velvet recipe too. He mentions, you know, the personalities and stuff like that. He's like, oh, it's probably stupid. And the chef guy's like, like, no, he's like, I'm intrigued. And other people are kind of listening too. This like rich fancy pants dude. He's like, oh, tell me more about the tasty velvet man. Back on the, the, the Spiky Spheres Palace, you know, Fiona wonders if baby Finn will be okay because you know, he's in a tank with the toys. You see him with the toy sword. He's like swinging, like poking things. And the tank AI like control things like excellent form. And then he stabs the speaker. He's like, Arr. so there's no sign of BAMS. Bonnie says that they think that they're st um, stuck miles from there. So they have an hour until sundown. They'll split into three teams and make the drop on the hive. So it's going to be Bonnie and Cake. Uh, Simon and Fiona and then Huntress is going off on her own and they're, they're going to be leaving like garlic bombs like all over the place. Fiona hears Marceline talking about her recent kill. You know, she's getting like a new outfit tailored. You know, there's like two minions in there and she's like, the look on Bonnie's face was so funny. And a minion's like, why don't you just kill her already? And uh, Marceline, the star, she's like, are you questioning me? And then she ends up ripping his head off. She like grabs it by the neck and just like pulls it. Simon's kind of like bothered by her behavior because, you know, and he like raised her for a while. And this like scares the other minion so much that he, he just like tears his own head off. 
And then Simon wonders, you know, how did little Marcy turn into that? And Fiona's like, maybe in this world she didn't have a you, which is what happened. Gary is uh, still talking about his character. This other, you know, little fancy guy, you know, he likes it. Then Marshall's mom wants to talk about blood because they're doing a blood drive. Marshall has always had a rebellious streak. Turns out, you know, the boy needs their mothers after all. Imagine my surprise when he came to me and asked for re-entry into my world, you know, through the kind attention of the lemon carbs, I'd like to thank them. And one's like, not welcome, never again. <laughs> and Gary whispers, he's like, oh no, Marshall, you didn't. So that's how Marshall, you know, got the, the meeting. On the vampire world, Bonnie and Huntress are on top of the sphere. Cake is using like both hands as drill to you know dig into the, the top of the, the structure. And so they're all there now. Bombs are all planted. Bonnie sets all the, the timers and then bites off a piece of her forearm and like hands it to Huntress. And she says that you know she'll infiltrate this throne room. Huntress sticks like the wad of, on the tip of an arrow. And Bonnie says that when the bombs go off, Huntress will shoot the crown right off the vampire king's head. The ice magic created clouds will clear and finally, finally all the vampires driven out by, of the hive by the garlic smoke will burn up in daylight. So it seems like it's, it's a good plan. Huntress jumps down. Um, the bomb goes off. The vampires swarm out. They're coughing. Bonnie's like, something's wrong. The sky's still dark. Then the vampire king um, busts through the ceiling. He's carrying Huntress's body, and it's like full of arrows. So somehow he deflected the arrows and made him stab her. Then Marceline pops up behind um, the vampire king. Nice try, meat. And then she's like, star. Ugh. And she like raises us like the steak bazooka, but then Marceline just tackles Bonnie. So at the... Fiona World, Marshall's mom says that you know she's so happy their little artiste is finally ready to get serious and join the family business. And she kind of whispers, isn't that right, Marshall? You owe me. And he's like, um, yeah, maybe. And then the dude with uh, Gary says that he thinks Gary has something very marketable here, but Gary's not listening. And he starts walking towards Marshall's mom. So he's like, just totally, he doesn't, he's not even thinking about the cake stuff. Cake tells uh, Vampire King to give them the crown or she'll scratch him up. And he's like, Agents of Light, try some of these. The arrows like move out of Hunter's body and he sends them straight at them. And he's like, it's funny. I don't even need this gaudy thing to be powerful, but I like going outside anytime I want. So Marceline has Bonnie pinned down and she's like, I'm going to stab your butt. And Marceline's like, try it, dweeb. And the Vampire King's like, daughter, stop toying with your prey and finish her off. Or toy with her in a more creative way. Make it interesting. And then uh, Simon's like, he's like, Vampire King, you're a bad dad. And Vampire King flicks his finger and like, I guess, telekinetically knocks Simon over. And uh, he's like, almost falls over the the top of the sphere. Fiona catches his hand before he does fall. At, with Marshall's mom, uh, I think her name was Hannah. She says that, you know, they can forgive him for the years and years of embarrassing decisions. You know, she's like, can't we, everyone? And then uh, she's like, baby, tell the people how grateful you are. And then you hear, Miss Abadir, you're a bad mom. And she like, Gary says that. And she frowns and she's like, do something about your excitable little friend. 
And Marshall walks up to him. He's like, Gary, you don't know how powerful she is. You'll be blackballed by everyone here. He's like, I don't care. You deserve better than anything that creep could do for me. <laughs> and he's like, well, because he says that right. The guy's standing right there. So uh, Gary just kind of like ruined his chances, but he wanted to defend Marshall. Uh, Marceline and Bonnie are struggling. Marcy says that she's like, I'm going to suck out your other eyeball. And she's like, choke on it. <laughs> and then Bonnie manages to get Marceline pinned on the ground. And she's like, it'd be so easy to stake you. And then Marceline punches Bonnie. <laughs> Vampire King claps. And Simon says that they should just bail. And Cake's like, wait. So she's like, he's distracted. And she stretches out her arms to, to reach for the, um, the, the crown. And Fiona's like, Cake, no. And grabs Cake's arm. And Simon's like, like, we should just zap away now. And Cake's like, no, I got this. And she stretches. And Fiona grabs a remote. And Cake says, you know, she, she's like, I see what you're trying to do. And she grabs a remote with her tail. And Simon's like, be careful. And then it cracks. And then Vampire King turns right as Cake is about to grab the crown. Does Kitty want attention? Does she also seek annihilation? And uh, Cake's like, you're kind of hot. So Cake's, or the Vampire King's like a lion. I don't know who this is. Is this a different character? I don't think it's someone we're supposed to see, unless I'm totally forgetting. But Cake's like, you're kind of hot, but you have chicken feet. And he opens his mouth and like in a vampire snarled and Fiona's like grab on and she hits the remote vampire king's like like ooh, i've seen a new thing and then uh marceline's like bonnie you could join me and she's like what's the point the the population's crash you're running out of food you know laughing all the way while the world goes down in flames dumb dumb and there's more struggling then they both go off the top this vampire king's like surprised and he roars because he's like a lion or whatever. Other vampires fly down. Then Marceline, you know, as they're falling, Mar she's like, you know, she says that if she poofs, that she'll die too. And Bonnie's like, together then. Gary um, grabs Marshall's hands and they start going up the stairs to like the, the balcony area. And the mom is like, Marshall. Vampires are reaching out for Marceline and Bonnie. Marshall and Gary enter the elevator. Then as the doors are closing, they kiss. And that's the end of episode seven so that's how it kind of seemed like at the beginning because obviously marceline and and princess bubblegum are, are a couple so it makes sense in this flipped gender world why wouldn't they also be and so you can kind of see that there's a sense of, and so yeah that's kind of nice kind of it was nice not kind of season one episode eight jerry so it starts off kind of like in a forest or something like that and at first I was like, is this like a forest world, something else? But then we see Simon and Betty, they're like on an expedition or something. They're crossing the stream and, you know, they like don't slip on the rocks and Simon ends up falling and whatever. But then we see Fiona Cake and Simon are walking across a desert landscape. And Simon's like, we've been walking for miles and we've seen no sign of the Ice Kingdom and no sign of where to look for a crown. And Fiona's like, hey, at least we haven't seen any vampires out here. And Cake's like, oh, great. We left the monster world and end up in a crap world. So then they're sitting by this old, like, rotted trees or whatever. And Fiona empties her backpack. And Cake asks Simon if he can use any of that stuff to fix the remote. And he says, he's like, no. It's like, this thing's dead. And then, uh, like, the, it's like, did he mean the crystal or the remote? I wasn't really sure about that. So he's like, unless they can get a jump, they're stuck there. And then with her back to Fiona, Cake's like, I could have taking that crown. It's all your fault. 
And Fiona's like, yeah, my fault that you're not dead. And then Cake angrily turns like, yeah. <laughs> and then she makes her legs big. She's kind of like, you know, like the bow-legged thing. I'm going to go stretch my legs. And just like, doom, doom, doom. And Fiona's like, be careful. Then yelling at her, she's like, you don't know what's out there. So this is where, like, Cake is, like, starting to get annoying. But whatever. So then we see kind of this weird waiting room thing. So Scarab's sitting in a chair. He's, like, impatient, whatever. He's frustrated. He says to himself, I need to be out there looking for that rogue universe. And then um, someone named Orville uh, comes in. He's like, hey, Scrabby. So he's, like, this big big sphere. He has kind of, like, purple sunglasses for, like, eyes or whatever. And he has, like, just, like, like, a mouth. And then he he tells uh, Scarab, he's like, you're up, mate. So on the crap world, they made a fire using like the flute thing and some magazines that were in, in Fiona's backpack. She's sitting looking very sad. And Simon tells her that she did the right thing. And she's like, I just didn't want to see her hurt. Simon's like, I saved Marceline by putting on that crown, you know, but it could have easily backfired. And in the long run, I did hurt her. And she's like, was there another way to save her? And he's like, well... I don't know. And she's like, oh. And then, you know, trying to be cheerful, he's like, on the plus side, I did get to live a thousand years and meet the Fiona and Cake. And she kind of smirks. She's like, ah, you weren't really trying to find us. You were trying to find your magic space girlfriend. And he's like, right. She wasn't always an indecipherable goddess of chaos. You know, she was human once, the most amazing human I've ever met. And we see Cake off her own. She's muttering herself. She's like, they still treat me like a house cat. And she, like, stops her in her tracks because, you know, she goes through some grass. She sees, like, the petrified remains at a treehouse. And she's like, but I'm capable. And she starts walking towards the treehouse. Simons continues. He's like, and she could make the best soft-boiled eggs. Not runny, but perfectly jammy. And Fiona's like, I can understand why you wanted to see her again so badly. Was it because of the eggs? And he's like, ah. He's like, sorry. He's like, nothing's more pathetic than an old man rhapsodizing about young love and she's like oh no it's like i'm a sucker for a good love story and you know she actually sits like right next to him he's like betty and i first met at the library when we both reached for the same book and she's like you're right it's boring and she's like ha just kidding <laughs> i love you and then we get a flashback he's giving this this talk you know in like an auditorium historical basis for mythological artifacts it's it's all quiet you know betty's like the only one kind of clapping and, you know, she tells the girl, like, next to her, she's like, I touched his hand at the library once. And she just kind of, like, looks at her. There's this dude up on stage with uh, Simon. He's like, Dr. Petrikov, you can't actually believe that these objects exist. He's like, I do. We just need sufficient imagination to seek them. And then this, like, smart ass in the front row asks, what are you going to look for next, magic beans? And everyone laughs, including Betty's friend. And Betty's like, Babette. <laughs> Simon clears his throat. He's like, in a matter of speaking, yes. Much like the Jack of Legend, I'm attempting an arduous journey into the unknown. And then there's like a slide of like four people kind of reaching for this book. And and like two of them are like kind of yellow. It almost looks like the Magic Man or whatever. Then there's a picture of a map with like potential dig site and mountains. He says, you know, expedition to find the, the Enchiridion. So it's like that uh, there's a slide of like the, the evil book or whatever. And then someone yells, here it is, and throws like a notebook at his face. So then the, the presentation's over. Everyone leaves except for Betty. She goes up to him. He's like, oh, library girl. And she's like, oh, you you remember? And she's like, it's Betty. Betty, I think her name's Groff. 
she's like, um, I was wondering, uh, could you sign my book? And he's like, you read my work? And she's like, oh, yes. I was fascinated by the, the runes on this vase that you found. Perhaps the design could actually be pictographs, you know, a clue how to find the, the selfies, you know, cove. He's like, hmm, you know, I never thought of that. And he looks at the, the picture in the book. I wish I had run into you sooner. He's like, ha ha. He's like, maybe you should come with me on the next expedition. And she's like, well, I was going to leave next week on a six-month trip to study petroglyphs in Australia, but going on an expedition to find an ancient artifact with the Simon Petrikov, that is a lifetime opportunity. So yes, I'll go with you. He's like, okay. And she's like, okay. And, and uh, the president went her funeral was like, wow, you just met and she dropped everything to go with you? And then they hear cake. Ah! So Fiona runs to her. And she goes and picks her up and cake like almost scratches her. And she's like, let go. It's like, there's something back there. She's like looking under this like dark table. And she's like, it surprised me. And I whacked into the corner up by myself. So it's almost like she's bragging, even though she just screamed. And then, then you see there's these green glowing eyes like in the dark. And then they kind of walk forward and you see an owl face with, because, you know, and the, the, the title card scene, when it says Jerry, you see like this, this owl or no, there's that intergalactic owl, right? And, but you see this owl, but with Bimo's body. And then Bimo lifts the, the mask. Apologies, cat. I goosed you in the spirit of fun. Fiona's like, a robot. And Simon finally manages to climb up. He's, then he yells out, he's like, Bimo? And Bimo's like, yes. Now, old man, prepare for your goosing. Then Bimo determinedly walks towards Simon, but then gets distracted when seeing like an old battery on the floor. At the same time, when he picks up the battery, there's a post-it that says, BRB, Finn. So it's like, wait, what happened? Where's Finn at? And Simon's like, Bimo, where is everyone? And Bimo's like, they're around, except for football. I haven't seen her in forever. And Simon's like, does this world have a magic crown? It would grant the wearer miraculous ice powers. And Bimo's like, oh yeah, the Ice King. He lives in the Ice Kingdom. And Simon's like, the Ice Kingdom? But where's the ice? They're like looking out now. And Bimo's like, oh yeah, that's weird. So then Orby says to Scarab, like, ignoring your calls, giving yourself missions, pursuing your own monomanias. I'll tell you, you're really whiffing the ball. He's like, Orbo, he's like, I just need more time. He's like, Psh. He's like, but I'm on, onto something really important. And Orbo's like, listen, just be cool. He's like, Prismo has made his own secret unauthorized universe. He's like, Prismo? Nah, that guy's cool. He wouldn't do that. He's like, I can get proof. And he's like, I don't care. Leave it, Scrabby. He's like, Orbo, hey, hey, watch that tone, mate. I'm still your boss. He's like, hmm, you're my boss, but you're not the boss. He takes out his crystal thing. He's like, why don't I give them a call? And then it disappears. Just be cool. And he rolls back a tiny bit and rolls forward, like hits Scarab, and he just kind of like disappears, like disintegrates. Fiona Cake and Simon Bimo are walking. Bimo's like talks. And then Jake broke the wind into a thousand cheesy pieces. Bimo and Cake like both laugh. And then Bean was like, hey, there's my friend Jerry's place. And it looks like this like stone igloo. Jerry's cool and, and tall and makes funny jokes. And then there's like more laughing. And, and Cake's like, I love this little box. And Fiona's like, yeah, he's so cute. And Cake gives her a look and it's like, because <laughs> she's still mad at her, which is annoying. Cake runs up to catch up with Bimo. He's like, wait up, Bimo. Do you have any other stories about the dog me? And Bimo's like, boy, howdy do I? <laughs> Boy, howdy. Um, Fiona just looks at them and Simon kind of catches up and, and says, or she's like, so you never finished your great love story. He's like, ah, it's probably for the best. And she's like, please. 
So then we see Simon and Betty are hiking and, and talking. Then he's like, wait. He takes out like this uh, rod, like this, this stick, and starts poking at the rocks. He's like, there are snakes in this area. He's like, horned vipers, if I'm not mistaken. And she says that she knows how they should be careful, but it's getting dark soon. And she can clear the path using a trick that her mom taught her. And so he like stops her. He's like, oh, the rod is slow, but dependable. And then she like raises her arms, just kind of like waves, you know, waves them around while shouting, blah, 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 like just a bunch of gibbers. And snakes start, start popping out between the rocks and slithering away. Snakes, or Simon is concerned, but then he's like impressed. And Fiona's like, she sounds badass. And then, then Bimo's like, oh, honeys, we're home. So they're at the ice kingdom, but it's like all stoned. And Simon like, you know, pries out a, key, a, a keyboard from like, you know, it's just a bunch of rocks and stuff. And there's like uh, you know other instruments. There's like pizza boxes. There's like books. You know, a bunch of like ninja books and ninja stuff and whatever. Then Fiona asks if he thinks that he passed away. Then Cake finds a video camera marked Ice and says, "Hey, I found some dirty tapes." <laughs> and Fiona's like, "Maybe it's a clue." And and Bimo's like, "Ooh, butt stuff." It's like, wait, what's going on? Bimo, what Bimo meant, puts uh, the videotape in, in his back. There's like a, a videotape slot. But it's like, how? I don't remember Bimo being as wide as a videotape, but maybe they're smaller tapes. So the, the tape, I think it said like fun times on or whatever. So Bimo sits and lets it play. And you hear a hello, dear diary, um, ready to swole. And then he like he pushes a weight bench over. Then it cuts the you know, Ice King. Th- then he it cuts to him wearing like a black wig, and he's like singing into a hairbrush. Um, he, he's singing about a bagel. And then Fiona calls out to Simon. She's like, "You got to see this." He's like, "I'm gonna uh, go look in this other pile." And there's this like other clip where he tells Gunther to put his crown um, inside the the kick drum. And then you see him twirling Gunter around his head. It's probably like ninja moves or something like that. There's a clip of like a movie clacker for like Long Day's Journey into Night directed by Ice King. He's like wearing a dress and Gunter has like pants and overall and like one of those like barbershop quartet hats. I don't know what they're called. And he imitates a foghorn and starts like talking about how, uh, you know, overnight the, the he or she, whatever the character, hears that foghorn. And then Gunter interrupts like whack. And then Ice King gets mad that he's ruining his vision. But he still hasn't put the crown back on. So maybe this must be something happened. Then the tape stops. And Fiona's like, that's what he was like with the crown? And Cake's like, I guess. Then Bimo ejects the tape. Simon comes back. And she's like, any luck? Simon's like, our only hope is fixing the remote. And Bimo's like, a remote? Show Bimo, show Bimo, show Bimo. So Bimo looks at the remote with like the, the pink bubbly stuff, whatever, holding the two halves together. Hmm, I know someone who can fix it. My friend, Princess Bubblegum. And then he's like, oh, yes, we can zap you know, to another reality. Then it's next stop, Crown Town. Cake picks up Bimo and <laughs> puts Bimo on, on her back. As she like turns into this pony, she's like, let's hit the road. <laughs> and it was so cute the way Bimo does it. Because then Bimo's like... And then like gives a little kick with her feet. And then Cake imitates like... Wee! And then starts like walking. Fiona pauses and she looks at the drum set, but she doesn't check it. So in the video, he said, you know, put the crown in the, the kick drum. Is it still there? But then she just walks away. Or does she? So then Simon asks Fiona if she's okay. She's like, I feel kind of weird and blah. And he's like, I didn't get to tell you what happened after Betty and I got back from the trip. And she's like, did you find the Enchiridion? 
So flashback, they drive up in the car, there's people standing outside his building waiting, they have cameras. And Simon's like, I guess word got out. He's like, you ready? Then she, you know, he has a book in his hand and she's like, I, I'm just going to hang back. He's like, what? And she's like, this is your moment. He's like, but I wouldn't have found it without your help. And besides that, you're, you're, and she's like, yes, indispensable. I mean, any expedition would be lucky to have you. And she's like, yeah, yeah. She's like, goodbye, Petrikov. She holds out her hand and they shake. And he, he looks sad when he lets go. He gets out. People start taking pictures. And then she drives away. Fiona in the present, she's like, this story is sad. And he's like, no, no. He's like, don't worry. You haven't heard the best part yet. Then they arrive at the Candy Kingdom. It looks still in, intact, but it's not too colorful. And then walking into the palace, you know, the walls and candy cake, you know, candy cane pillars are like cracked and stuff like that. And Fiona's like, all of this is actual candy? This is like one of my top three fantasies. Bimo leads away. And then she's like, ta-da, when they enter a Prince Bubblegum's lab. And then she's like, come in, come in. And Fiona's like, cool lab, Bimo, but where's a princess? And, and then Bimo's like, she's just changing. I will help her. So Bimo goes behind like one of those privacy curtain divider things. And we hear Bimo kind of imitating PB's voice. And you know, she's like, there you are. Help me zip up my bra. And then Bimo's like, yes, milady. And then Bimo comes out in Princess Bubblegum's white like lab coat with her crown like in the corner of, of his head. And Bimo's like, pardon my late arrival, dear peasants. One is simply helpless without good help around. And, and chuckles. And Fiona's like, I don't get it, Bimo. And Bimo's like, I am the beautiful and brilliant Princess Bubblegum. And then Cake's like, great, I'm going to go eat chocolate. And Fiona's like, Cake, no. And she's like, I'm going <laughs> to. And Bimo hops up on a table. Allow me to explain. One day, everyone was a skeleton. Then Jerry came. Now to business. So Bimo grabs a remote from Simon's pocket, you know, with that, just yanks it out of there, and it opens up the back. Hmm, this is beyond even my ability to fix. Fiona's like, but Bimo said Bimo was wrong. And, and Cake's like, and so was Fiona. And Cake just like knocks stuff off the table. It's like, we blew it. We blew it. And, you know, Fiona runs out of lab because, you know, she's upset. And then Bimo slash Princess Bubblegum's like, my office supplies. <laughs> and so Fiona, Fiona goes out in this balcony and she's just like sobbing. Then Simon comes out. He's like, Fiona, it, it's okay. And she's like, Simon, I'm so stupid. I'm sorry. What I, why did I think I could do this? And then Simon's like, he decides to continue the story. So that was that. Betty and I went on our separate ways back to our own lives. And Fiona stops crying because she's like listening to the story. And he's like, but I couldn't stop thinking about her. And Fiona's like, why didn't you just call her? I thought it was better to keep it professional. A couple weeks later, I saw the book she checked out. So then flashback, he opens up the book and this note falls out. So he reads it, Dear Dr. Petrikov, it's Betty. I just had to warn you, this book is terrible, he chuckles. It's written as if the author was aiming for an audience of one, his own ass. And he laughs again, and someone's like, shh, quiet. And then it continues, actually, what I really want to say is, I've admired your research for years, but during our expedition, I came to admire you as a person too. And then we see Simon's like running, like out of the library, as, as the narration continues. You're not only brilliant and dedicated, but you're charming and fun and kind-hearted. We see Betty's like packing up in her place. I've been replaying every moment we've shared together, and I think we had something special. I'll go do my own things, but I kind of wish I could be by your side all the time and travel the world together. Yeah. Love, Betty. 
And then so what YCP5547, I don't know what that means. Is that her phone number? I don't know. So then Simon arrives like at her dorm or something like that. He's like, Betty, and he throws a rock up at her window. Her roommate opens it just in, bonk, gets hit hit in the forehead. It's like, oh sorry. He's like, I need I need to speak with Betty. And her roommate's like, Betty just left. She's finally going on that research trip to the outback. And he's like, What? Then she's like, you can probably still catch her at the bus stop. And she just points. And just like a little ways away up these like little tiny stairs, she's standing right there, you know. And then he starts running to her and her roommate's like, don't make her miss her bus. So he calls out. He's like, Betty, Betty. But she has headphones on. Finally, she turns around and, you know, he's at the bottom of the stairs. There's only like maybe like six steps or something like that. She's at the top and he's, he's like, I found your note. And he's like, you should be more careful what you put in letters and where you put them. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. It, it was a stupid note. I was, I was in a weird mood or something. Let's just forget about it. And then the bus pulls up. He's like, did you really mean that stuff about? And she's like, that's my bus. And he's like, I, and she's like, goodbye. She walks to the bus and he grabs her wrist. And she's like, Petrikov? He's like, Betty, your note wasn't stupid. It was incredible. I want you by my side. And then he hugs her. She drops her suitcase. And she's like, oh, Petrikov. And then she hugs him back. He spins around. And he's like, but you really have to stop calling me Petrikov. And she's like, okay, Simon. Then we see in the present, Fiona's eyes are all like big and sparkly. She's like, damn, that's romantic. He's like, yeah. So you got on the bus with her? And he's like, yeah, what? No, why would I? And then Bimo standing in the doorway, clapping. On the screen, there's like little triangle tears on on the digital face. The power of love is so powerful. And then you see like the crowns on the floor. So Bimo's like, princess, what if you use my robot heart to jumpstart this broken piece of trash? And then like kind of moving the crown as if it's talking. Hmm, theoretically that could work, but it would take the bravest little heart the world has ever known. So Bimo lays on his back, opens his front, and you see like all like the innards, including a heart. Behold, my naked innards and the heart of a hero. And Fiona's like, could this really work? And then Bimo's like, don't worry, Finn. I have never failed anything. That's not Finn. So Bimo sticks the pinku into like his insides and like closes his eyes, initiating mm-hmm i can feel it working and then the, the heart and everything around it starts like turning bright pink yes feels great and it's getting like blindingly bright like they can't even look at it it's working ha ha ha, ha. it's working whoops the screen blows out and i was just like i covered my mouth i was like oh it totally caught me off guard i was like bemo's screen just blew out I was like, what? And, and then, not only that, then the, the other shell poosh, like blows up and it's just like black charcoal with a little flame on top. I'm like, no, that's BMO. It's like, you can't do that to BMO. But then it's like, okay, it's multiverse BMO. It's not the real BMO, okay? But I was just like, Simon and Fiona, they're just like staring at each other with their jaws dropped and that's probably how I look too. And then Kate goes to her knees with a BMO. And, and then, but then BMO flickers into like a bedside like clock. Like a you know nightstand clock, it's blue. And at dusk they have a funeral for Bimo, and you know cake is like one of the the casket dropper things, whatever. So Simon's like Bimo chose to make the ultimate sacrifice for people he barely knew. It didn't work, but that made it no less noble. Farewell, you little miracle. And you know there's they threw also threw like some magazines on top and everything. And then Fiona puts dirt over the hole. Cake actually hugs Fiona's legs. And then Cake's like, Bimo talked about that Jerry guy a lot. Maybe we should find him and tell him the bad news. So then it's night. They're walking. They, you know, they're going back. Then Fiona starts singing. Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. 
Cake joins in, taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? And Simon's like, uh, no offense, but do you guys know any other songs? And then Fiona's like, the closing theme to Cheers. And then Cake's like, oh, I know a good one. And Cake starts singing this like, ah, this like some song or something like that. And Simon's like, oh, I forgot you knew that tune, but I guess since you lived in my head. And Fiona's like, what is it? He's like, that was our song, Betty and Mine. And then they start playing the song. He scenes of them together. And there's like fireflies sitting at the stops by, by the bus stop and everything like that. And then Fiona and Cake and Simon go to Jerry's. They go inside. It's like dark. And it's like they have to take these steps down. They like stomp on some bones, crush it. And they're like, Ooh. It's dark inside. And then Simon like jumps back and yelps. And Fiona's like, oh, look, Jerry's real. But who, Jerry, it's the lich. It's the friggin' lich. But then you look at him, it's like, is he dead? Because he's all skeletal, which he always was. And, 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 you know, there's like little gold glob, you know, coming out of his, his right eye. But then the, the green eye, there's like a green glowing in, in there. And then Simon yelps again, jumps back. He, he yells, he's like, run. Then the lich is like, cease. And then the room like, turns like pitch black and they're like floating. You know, everything else is gone. They're floating towards him. Then we see Scabbard appears in this other place. And an orbo plops down next to him. And he's like, you can't see the boss, but you can make your case to me. So Orbo clears his throat. Prismo, let things slide. Small things at first. A bad wish here, an embarrassing fanfic there. And we enabled it. He's a cool dude. So we overlooked his failings. But there's nothing more dangerous than a cheerful mediocrity. He's like, look, I'm not Prismo. I respect your authority. But it's my deepest hope that you will simply let me finish my job. And Orbo's like, nice speech. Say goodbye to your legs. And then Scabbard gasps, but then a phone drops down, like, you know, old phone, like on a, the, the, the twirly cord. And Prisma's like, ah, nuts, it's the boss. So back at Jerry's slash the Lich, he's like, Ice Wizard, so you have risen again. And he chuckles. And then he, his hand glows with like a green flame. In olden days, I would have rewarded your insolence with death a thousandfold. And then the room returns normal, and they like plop on the floor. And the flame is off. And Fiona and Cake are like shaking in fear. Simon sits up. Simon's like, I think we're not in danger. He seems really depressed. And <laughs> Fiona's like, Jerry's freaking terrifying. And Simon's like, he's called the Lich, the last scholar of gold. He must have succeeded in killing all life here. But if there's no life in this world, there's no way for us to survive. And Fiona's like, shoot, I was hoping we wouldn't have to do this. Fiona reaches in her backpack and pulls out an ice crown. And Cake's like, what? It's like, you had the crown the whole time? And she's like, no, no, just since the Ice King's place. It's like, Simon, you can't change. So it wasn't a drum kick. You know, she looked at it. We just didn't see. So she went back and she took it and stuck in her back. So she's like, Simon, you can't change that super sad guy. There's got to be another way, something. And then Cake growls and stretches, tries grabbing the crown. And Fiona's like, ah, wait. It's like, listen, once Simon puts on the crown, our world will change too. And Cake's like, you hate everything in that city. And she's like, not everything, and it could change us. Simon's like, Fiona, you're all going to die otherwise. And she's like, everybody dies. Shouldn't they get to die as themselves? Cake's like, Fiona, I am myself like this. And Fiona's like, I don't want to curse anyone. And Simon's like, Fiona, it's going to be fine. So Simon sits. There's like a cable attached to like, there's like some metal like prong thing that's like hooked up to Lich's toe. And then it's wrapped around his arms. So it's kind of like what he did with Choose Goose, you know, using the Choose Goose or, or Lich as an energy battery to 
whatever start to sting out he takes out the picture of betty and he's like you ready to jump back into my noodle so they get down to like you know the runner's positions and they're about to jump then he starts waving his arms like up and down and reveal the path and grant me passage reveal the path and grant me passage and then fiona's like whatever happens i want you to know and kate puts her paw in fiona's hand then they run they jump there's a beam you know coming beam of light coming out of, out of back of simon's head then he falls forward scabbard arrives just then and he looks up and says he's like thank you boss so I know there's been some confusion I heard about, like some people were like, is, are you, they trying to say that the Lich is his boss? But I think it's like, no, the boss teleported him there. So he's thanking the boss, wherever the boss is, not the Lich, because that wouldn't make any sense. So, but then his crystal thing turns into a sword. Simon grabs a crown, he's about to put it on, and he's like, goodbye, brain. And we see Betty say, goodbye, Simon, in the car. But there's like a spark of electricity or magic between her hands that flows into the area. Then Simon's surrounded by light. There's this red like circle of light un underneath them. And then him and Scabbard, phew, they like kind of fall. They go somewhere else. And then that's the end of the episode. So it's like, wait, wait, what just happened? You know, Betty did wish for Simon to be safe does that mean does that extend like beyond this I, I don't know so that was a that was something man so we have two more episodes left i said i would rather have two more weeks left than one more week so next week should be unless unless i drag it out we'll see so that was a uh, adventure time fiona cake okay then it is time for movie feature Expendables for, or as I like to say, expend for bulls. And so here's the thing. It's not a good movie. I'm going to be straight up. It's a fine, it's a fine movie knowing, you know, you know what, what it is. You know what it is. It's not going to be nominated for an Oscar. It's not going to be, you know, movie of the year. It's, it's not a work of art. It is entertainment. It is an action movie. It's an action movie in a franchise about action movies which is just full of all our quote-unquote favorite action heroes from the past, you know, however many decades. That's what it's meant to be. It's supposed to be mindless fun. The, the, the problem is it's not that much fun. It's a little fun, but it's, it's not. I, I just feel like there's just so many different, there, there's so many, not so many, but, the, but there's just a, a few different issues that just are just distracting. And I, I don't know if, if it's, you know, I don't really pay attention so much to this, but I'm pretty sure, pretty sure each of the movies had a different director. I don't know if that really matters much. And so here's the other thing. Um, before a couple of weeks ago, I hadn't seen a single Expendables movie. So this is one of those cases where it probably, I'm trying to think when the first one came out. So, you know, the first one came out in 2010. That, so that would have been during comic find time. And, you know, I, that this, it's, it's a weak excuse, but, you know, I spent so much time reading comics, running the site, writing articles, shooting videos, editing videos, doing social media, you know, all that stuff, where if I was going to see a movie, it had to be comic related so I could talk about it, you know, either write a review or talk about it on the podcast and like that. And, and, you know, plus reading all the comics and, and, you know, spending time with family. So when it's something like, like Expendables, I don't, I honestly don't remember like 2010, you know, that was still like the whiskey media days. So I, I don't even remember this being released in theaters. And, you know, it's like, so that's just, you know, all, all these, these action heroes, you, you think I, I would be like, oh, yeah, this is cool. You know, I should see this. I didn't. 
And then, you know, the other ones came out. So Expendables 2 was 2012. Expendables 3 was 2014. So it's, it's interesting that it was like, you know, 2010, 12, 14 is like every two years. And then it's, it's like nine years later till we get a sequel to that. So to me, it doesn't seem like that long of a gap because since I had never seen any of these movies and then I knew that this was coming up and I knew that there was nothing else coming out this week, I was like, okay, well, I need to watch the Expendables movies. So I watched all three two weeks ago, two weekends ago, not, not this past weekend, no, not the weekend before, right? Um, yeah. So two weekends ago. And, um, I mean, they, they, they were, they were, they were fine. They're fun. You know, uh, they, there's little things that, that bother me. <laughs> like, like at some moments, like, you know, it just seemed to me, and I could be wrong, but it seemed like Sylvester Stone's like goatee. I don't know if it's the first one or second one. It was like, it was dyed. Cause it was just like really black and it just, just, it was distracting, whatever. And so, so that's the thing I like about this movie is that you know, his hair is not dyed or anything. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's older and it, it makes sense. That's who he is. And there's even some moments where he talks about like, oh, my back hurts. But he was, I think he was joking because, you know, then he ends up flipping this guy over the bar or whatever. So it, it's, it's good, you know, let them age. You know, they don't have to be like, you know, decrepit or anything like that. Can't do anything, you know, walking around in a walker. But, you know, at the same time, I, I think, and now I'm jumping all over the place. I think my one of the main distractions for me, and I know we're not supposed to let it distract us, but when you have the, these core characters on the team, it's like they're just so extremely good at what they do, and that's but that's who they're supposed to be. When that the fact that you have these these skilled mercenaries or fighters, whatever you want to call them, it's like nothing can stop them. It's like they can they they know they can go in a room and they're gonna be able to take anyone out. You know, they have no fear. I mean, maybe it's just confidence. They they know that they're that, that good. You know, they've spent however much time training. You know, we don't know how they got to where they, they were, you know, what their background was. You know, what is Jason Statham's, you know, what is Christmas's background? How did he learn, you know, why is he obsessed with throwing knives? So how is he so good at throwing knives? You know, we, we don't know that stuff. And you know, you, you get to what I'm saying. So it's it just seems like when, when you look at it, you know that there's there's nothing to worry about. That they're they're all going to be fine. You know, they could enter a, a warehouse with like you know twenty five different armed trained soldiers. They're going to come out of it. You know, th- there's no way that anyone else is going to survive except for them. So that that's a little distraction. But again, that's the absurdity. And and I do feel I've never like read into anything. You know, I, I like I said since I my first viewing of this is two weeks ago i don't know like what the thinking or process of of this because if you watch the first one you know first one was and all of these are kind of like written by sylvester stallone or co-written or whatever and i'm pretty sure you can correct me if i'm wrong but i won't hear you if you correct me i'm pretty sure he directed the first one too now the first one there was some bad dialogue and I'm not saying I could write dialogue. That's one of the things, you know, people are always like, why don't you write a comic book? You know, when they're, they're talking, Tony, why don't you write a comic book? Because, you know, you must have ideas. And yeah, you know, I've had some ideas, but I just think dialogue, I think, and I could be wrong, writers, you let me know, but I would think dialogue can be tricky trying to make the dialogue sound realistic. You know, having to go the back and forth and having, you know, different voices, different, you know, all, all that, but whatever. Um, so some of the dialogue in the first movie. It was just really bad. And some of the acting was really bad. Now, I'm not saying Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger or, you know, Dolly, you know, they're, they're not, again, 
Academy Award winning actors, but they are good actors. And I feel like in some scenes, they like purposely like hammed it up or cheesed it up, made it feel that way. I don't know if that was the intentions, but that's what I feel like. Cause I, 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 I want to think or believe that they're taking like, we're bringing in all these random action heroes, all these different action movie stars from different movies, bringing them into this movie. So then a lot of times when you say like, Oh, there's Bruce Willis. Cool. And then there's Wesley Snipes. Wow. And then there's, you know, so you're, they're bringing in all, all these, you know, different people. And I, I think it's, it's kind of like an homage to the other movies, but it's also kind of a parody of the other movies, but it's a parody without being like a pure parody because it is, you know, an, an, an actual official like action movie franchise in its own rights. You know, it, it hits all the marks, you know, it does that. It's, it's not joking around. So, I just feel like sometimes the acting is just purposely trying to be bad, but I could be wrong. I, I, I hope I'm not wrong about that because I wouldn't want to think that they're really giving like a hundred percent and it just came out like really like, Ooh. So these movies, you know, they're, they're all fine. And you know, you got different things and I, but what, what's kind of weird for me is like, I think it was a third movie, right? Where they bring in all these young members because Sylvester Stallone, Barney, he's, he's like, Oh, you know, I don't want my team to get hurt, you know, and all stuff like that. So he basically like kind of kicks him off. He's like, you're not going on this mission. He recruits all these young people because he's going after this like really bad, bad guy. That's like deadly. And he just doesn't want to risk it and stuff like that. So, and then, you know, they uh, obviously, you know, they end up coming back and everyone joins up. And then, so now we got, you know, we got the original generation, we got the new generation and we can mix and match. But then in the fourth movie, we, um, we don't have anyone returning. Cause even like Antonio Banderas, you know, joined in the, in the fourth movie, but I'm pretty sure the one character was his son, you know, and I'm not going to check the, whatever the, the, the credits, the character's name, but I'm pretty sure like 99.9% sure that he was supposed to be his, his son. So as far as this movie goes, you know, it's, it's fine. You know, it, it does it now when, after I watched the movie, I, I did glance at some of the IMDb reviews. I think it was on there, IMDb. And a lot of people were, you know, were, they're saying how to, you know, the movie wasn't great or whatever, but a lot of people are praising the villain and I don't know if it's just one of those things. And, you know, it's the same thing like in, in, in some comics recently that I've ta- I think I even mentioned it earlier in this episode where sometimes you get these villains. They're just so cheesy and they're just, they're just annoying, but it's like they're supposed to be annoying. You know, you're not you're not supposed to root for the villains. But this was a case where this villain is like one of those like he's this unstoppable villain guy like nothing. You know, he he has no fear. It's almost like he has like good luck power where, you know, in the opening scene, you know, they're, they're attacking this general's like compounders, all these soldiers. And he just like hops out of a tank. He just does this. He goes and kills these guards and does this and has no concern because he knows he's like, oh, I've read the script. I know I'm going to get through this scene. You know, it just it feels like that, that they're just so arrogant or just so sure that there's not like there's not going to be someone hiding in some hidden you know compartment and is about to shoot you as soon as you walk by because you're not aware they're there you know it's like not that that would happen it's just i don't know it just it just really bothered me and then the, the whole part where it's like they're doing this whole just chasing or stuff like that 
and then you know there's a character in a helicopter you know in the opening scene and then he happens to get out happens to have a bazooka happens to get lined up shoot the helicopter right then and then you know and then he gets in his getaway vehicle and it's just it's like of course it has to be him that does it whatever um the other thing the way the movie opens it just felt i i felt like i was watching the movie on an old like movie print like a 35 millimeter print or something like that because so as you may be aware in the old days movies were on film and they were shipped in containers and like like 20 minute you know reels so the projectionist would have to splice the reels together and that's why you get the little burn mark you know if you watch fight club you know he, he talks about that it felt like as I'm watching this, even though it wasn't 20 minutes, it was like the first, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. I felt like I'm like, am, am I watching things out of order? It's like, it's so weird because I finally watched a trailer and you see a trailer with Jason Statham and Megan Fox, like arguing. And then they got in this fight and, you know, there's this file, this classified file or whatever. And, and one of the things that, that I didn't like is because when you first see the movie, you see that they're arguing, but then then yet it, they kind of hint on that oh Megan Fox is a is a trained person too because in the past movies at least I think in the first two Jason Statham is dating Charisma Carpenter from Buffy the Vampire Slayer Cordelia if, if you, you remember but then I think she wasn't in the third or whatever but it seems like you know they're so in love and all this stuff like and now. I mean, yeah, it's been nine years later. So, okay, maybe that didn't work out. Life happens. And then he's been with Megan Fox's character for however long. Okay. But it's just like, you know, it, it starts off where Sylvester Stallone goes to their place and then they're like in this big argument and he's just kind of like, you know, whatever. And then I almost felt like, it's like, wait, in the trailer we saw like before this, but then it's not this. And so, that, but then it's also, it's, it's cutting between that and the general's compound area that's being attacked. So it's like, okay, are these happening at the same time? Because then, while this is happening, I mean, the, the, the timing continuity cannot be right. Because then, if I, now if I remember correctly, Sylvester Stallone, after this fight goes on with between Statham and, and Fox, uh, Sylvester Stallone takes his character to this bar because you know, blah, blah, blah. He needs his help for something. And then they go on this mission and then they go over, you know, they, they meet with their, their new um, liaison guy guy because, you know, Bruce Campbell or Bruce Campbell. Bruce, I wish Bruce Campbell was in it. That would be amazing if Bruce Campbell was in the Expendables movies. Um, Bruce Willis obviously retired from acting, so he's not the, like their, their point guy anymore. So it's Andy Garcia, and he tells them about this mission. They have to go and everything. So then they, they go down to the gym. So they have to get in their plane. They have to suit up, get all their gear, get everyone together, fly down there. How long does it take to fly there? You know, it's going to be several hours. And then it's like, okay, they're still going after this general guy. Maybe he's been tortured for a long time because then it, it cuts to it where, you know, the general's in a room and the kids are, kid and his wife are, you know, in this other room. It just felt like, wait, this is all happening. You know, the attack at the compound's happening within like, you know, 10, 15 minutes and then hours go by and it's like, they're still there, which maybe that's the case. Maybe it's not, it just way it kept cutting back and forth. It was just really bad. The editing, it, it does get better after that because we're not switching locations so drastically like that, but that just fell off to me. 
there's some other points that while I'm critiquing or complaining or whatever, there's some parts where it's like the green screen or CG. I was just like really bad. There's like parts where they're like driving in, in, you know, their truck or Jeep or something like that. And you see the scenery going by. I'm like, oh my gosh, that looks so bad. That looks so fake. You know, they're just on a set with a moving car. And obviously it's just a screen, you know, showing the scenery going by. At that, there's one scene in particular that was just, just really distracting. We get some new characters in here and you know so i already mentioned uh you know the, the one dude but then we have like um 50 cent he's in here and i almost feel like i almost feel like he didn't really have enough to do you know so we have all these characters you know we have some other returning characters but and and, and, and then you know so i mentioned megan fox now i know a lot of people like to go on it's like oh megan fox she's a horrible actress she can't do anything and she was fine in this you know i i thought i thought she you know she was just as good as all the other action actors you know she she did her part she delivered her lines and you know the the action scenes i didn't look super carefully but i was kind of wondering it's like okay they're probably using a stunt person versus where like jason statham he's probably doing more of his own stunts you know but maybe like sylvester stone or whereas these people are getting older maybe they're not doing as many stunts as they used to. i don't know and that doesn't matter because you know it's, it's just they're fun action movies so she was fine but then they they bring in uh someone else and it's it's just like I, I don't know. I, I felt like there's like so many people that it wasn't really necessary. And, and even like, you know, Dolph Lundgren, you know, what was funny was, you know, his character is, is kind of, kind of off the wall as it is, but I almost feel like he didn't get to do as much. Oh, and, and the other thing, not, not spoiling anything, but it's like Sylvester Stallone was hardly even in this. And, you know, that's all I'm going to say. Um, so it was just weird. It almost felt like that this, I think I, I thought maybe I could be wrong, but I thought there was something that they, it wasn't at some point they were going to do like a Jason Statham spinoff movie, like have him do his own thing and not necessarily Sylvester Stone. I've also heard that Sylvester Stone said that he's not going to do another Expendable movies, but then I also thought I, I saw that they want to, they plan on doing another one. I, I don't know. So it would be weird. Like if they do another Expendables movies without him, I mean, unless, unless they kill him off, uh, you know, what's he going to retire or is he just going to sit back? I mean, to, to not have him at all would just be weird because, you know, and then it's also like, wait, wh where did Wesley Snipes go? Cause you know, he was such a big thing in, in the, the last one. And uh, so I don't know. And then, you know, then you got the, the big story like, Oh, nuclear weapons. You know, we got to stop the bad guy and oh, they're going to start world war three. And, and so it's just like, it's your typical, we big threat to the world so you know you need to go in but you know you're if you get caught the government's not going to acknowledge you blah 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 and and then like oh no who can you trust who can't you trust and you know so it is what it is like i said it you know not my favorite movie um i i guess i'd have to say it was more entertaining than the nun too <laughs> a couple weeks ago it's just yeah, I'm just watching it, and it, it was it was fine, and I I don't know how other people would would react to it, you know, because I'm new to the franchise. I can appreciate and I can even like respect the franchise for what it's supposed to be, what I think it's supposed to be. So you know, it, it's fun, and I do like how they you know bring in other people. You know, I I, I do appreciate that they they brought in um, who's it Eco Uwas who was uh, in, in the raid. And because at first I, I didn't, 
didn't recognize like who is this guy it's like he looks familiar and and you know once he starts going into action it's it's pretty 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 good so i i you know i can appreciate that they are doing that that they're they're constant it feels like they're constantly bringing in you know other other you know actors in that they bring in um levi tran which i don't know who like what did what she do um furious seven vigilante diaries female fighting squad see i don't know who it is the first purge i maybe i mean i've seen furious seven i don't remember her so much i must i've seen the first purge but it's like all of a sudden then you know like she's in this it's like okay we have another new member who's this and we know nothing about them and so i i but i i do i i can appreciate that that while you know you want the core team there it makes sense but i i do like that they're able to st- still consistently bring in other action stars that the, the fact that there are other action actors that they can bring in i i think that's that's a lot of fun and just mixing it up but uh yeah but but yeah am i ever gonna watch this movie again probably not and you know it, it, it was fine for what it was what it was supposed to be but um yeah i actually i don't even think screenplay yeah uh, Sylvester Stone is not even listed on a screenplay, so you know maybe maybe that was it. So I don't know what was the budget. Is the budget hundred million? I would think it would be more than that. Uh, but yeah, it it, it added. What's the Rotten Tomatoes? I'm really curious. Um, wait, sixteen percent? That cannot be right. Oh my goodness. Okay, it's sixteen percent Rotten Tomato based off eighty one reviews. Audience score is seventy percent. See what does that that tell you? You know, that that says something there. The disposables would describe it better. Plot, you say, what plot? In a word, negligible. Uh, Laughable, lazy, exercise, and utility-grade meat and potatoes filmmaking. The bar was already so low, and yet this film manages to sneak under it. (laughs) Might be the new definition of drivel. Uh, The film's last reel is so awful, so sneeringly contemptuous of our good-faith efforts to play along with these shenanigans that we leave the theater still thinking of that shot of a corpse middle finger. It sure seemed pointed at us. <laughs> oh man. Um, I had a feeling this was going to be bad, but expend, expend four bulls still found a way to exceed my wild ex- expectations. Wow. So yeah, maybe I should just leave it at that. Um, yeah, not, not a great movie, but <laughs> it, you know, for what it was, if, if, you know, dep- again, depending on, how invested if you care about these characters or you know you want to see what's coming up it's just yeah so so that, that was that was the expendables and that's going to be it for this week there is nothing more to say but what there is to say is thanks big thanks to dave mcphail and andrew Loken because they are big supporters of the show you can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gman from heck any amount you can commit to will be awesome if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I recently talked about a bunch of amazing Spider-Mans from 1967. You know, Stan Lee, John Romita got up to uh, Amazing Spider-Man 50, Spider-Man No More. Now I'm going back to X-Men The Hidden Years from where I uh, left off back in February, 2023, February this year. And, and uh, just John Byrne. And then, you know, sometimes I do it off my mind, random topic. And sometimes, which I haven't done in a while, sometimes random older movies, which I should probably do that soon. 
But if you cannot commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. That's ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. Okay, what's going to happen next week? So next week was a big dilemma because I was like, all right, we have this new Saw movie coming out, Saw X or Saw 10, whatever they're, they're calling it. But there's also this movie coming out called The Creator. I saw the trailer for The Creator. And I was like, this this kind of looks kind of kind of cool. It's from what I gather, you know, AI is kind of taken over. The world's kind of messed up. And then there's this new AI, something in the form of like a child. And it's like super dangerous. So, you know, humans don't want anything. You know, they want to destroy it or whatever because it could just change everything. And then I'm assuming the AI overlords whatever wanted to you know continue to demolish humanity for once in a while or something like that and then this dude is kind of protecting and then but is it a kid is ai what's going on so it just looked it looked kind of neat you know maybe not not you know little little like a alita battle angel but not quite and uh you know i'm sure the story is is not like groundbreakingly original or anything but the the effects look cool and everything like that i was like i kind of want to see that but i was like I don't know if I'm also looking at in terms of like what are people want to tune into, you know, with, with the saw, there's the consistency, you know, people know what the saw is. So it's like, okay, yeah, I want to hear about the next saw movie. And if I put like, Oh, this podcast features the creator, people, people might be like, what the heck is that? It's just like when I watched a Ben Affleck movie, hypnotic, I'm sure no one knew what that was or very few people knew what, what that is, even though I thought that was a cool movie. But then I did see some early reviews or early buzz. I didn't read any reviews, but the early buzz is that uh, the creator's actually pretty cool. So I'm like, awesome. And then I, I finally did it. I didn't w- want to do it. I watched a trailer for uh, Saw, and I had no idea that the movie's taking place between Saw 1 and 2. I don't even remember what happens in Saw 2. I remember Saw 1 because I I've, I've feel like I've, I've watched that several times. So I watched a trailer of Saw X, and it has, a, I don't even remember the dude's name. That's how like uninvested I am in, in the Saw franchise. Because he dies at some point, right? Because that's what this movie is about. He's got this this death ailment that, and he's you know supposed to get a procedure that's going to save him. But then it turns out that maybe the doctor's team, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They maybe to let him die because he's such an evil scumbag. And then he wants to get revenge on them. So he kidnaps a bunch of people and he's going to make them torture themselves. Because like there's something like someone's like having to cut off their leg or do something, and I'm just like, one, <laughs> I don't really want to go back to Saw one and two because I don't remember Saw two, and two, it's like okay, that's like we're going backwards in a franchise instead of moving the franchise possibly forward if it can even be moved forward, you know? Because Spiral with Chris Rock, I thought that was an okay movie, you know, it, it, it was, you know, it changed things a bit. Uh, but, but, and also it's like, do I want to watch a movie, a movie where people have to torture themselves? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm all for horror movies and, you know, I always joke that you watch a horror movie and you, you know, it lets you know, it's like, Hey, at least my life isn't as crappy as, as it is for these people. But I don't know. I mean, maybe someday I'll watch it, but I mean, and I, I try to think like what's. The, the next week, um, actually, I think there is something the, the next week. The next week is, oh, The Exorcist Believer. I, I booked my ticket for that. And uh, 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 so 
we have that. And then um, also, uh, there will be the Continental next week. So uh, so even though that's out now, the first episode is out, I will watch it. So we'll be a week behind. Give you a chance to watch it. Give me a chance to watch it. And, um, and uh, yeah, then I think, yeah, we'll see. Because um, there's still more Ahsoka, because I, I freaked out and thought there was only six. And um, Harley Quinn is done. We've got Fiona and Cake. Um, I'm sure there's something else that's coming up soon i mean uh doom patrols ended a month isn't gen v coming up i I, i'm i'm reluctant with that because i know they're going to do like two or three episodes that first week and that stresses me out but that is it for this week you don't need to hear about what my my problems with that i hope you are doing well i hope everything is going smoothly and cool for you hope you're having fun but i really hope you remember to be good to each other